What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show today. Welcome to Jump Street Podcast. What's up, Billy? What's up? Welcome to our special DEI show. This is our show about diversity, equity, inclusion regarding the skate community. And um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. It's um, it's a topic we got to talk about. And I got to start it with uh, our partner, Rollerblade. I got to shout out Rollerblade. They're our partner in this. And they started off with a mission statement that I am here to read. I got to be honest, I'm a little nervous to read <laughs> online, live, but this is a great statement um, from Rollerblade. So hopefully I can read this properly. It's like being called up so, to the front of your class to call to read your homework in front of everybody. <laughs> right. You got this, Billy. You got this. We, yeah, we, yeah. Got, we got it together. Let's go. Okay. Uh, the past year has been insane on earth. So many bad things happening all at once were enough to melt your brain. But in any challenging situation, there are sometimes bright spots that emerge. For one thing, the challenges of the pandemic created a renewed interest in our sport and our brand. Getting outside and blading was one way many people found to cope with the darkness all around them. Rollerblade, and we assume all the other brands, are humbled and grateful to be a part of that. During this same crazy year, another challenge and opportunity emerged. A growing awareness of racial injustice injustice and the challenges facing marginalized peoples. The awareness was always there, of course, within those groups, but the awareness finally started reaching and impacting people of privilege and of power. An awareness that violence, oppression, and a lack of opportunity are often the end result of a lack of inclusion, diversity, and equity throughout the power structures of society. An awareness that's been long overdue. So what's next? What can we do with this growing awareness? Now at this point, if you've never felt marginalized, you may be asking why the hell are we talking about this on a podcast about blading? Why is Rollerblade as a company asking us as an industry to have this difficult conversation? As several people have already said to us, we should just shut up and make skates. However, if you are a person who has felt and experienced the pain of being marginalized based on the color of your skin, your gender identity, or other innate reality, you may be thinking it's about effing time the inline industry started to have these discussions. One big reason that it's important for us as a community as a community to have this conversation is because for much of the past 20 years, anyone who lives and breathes blading, especially in the street and aggressive community, has felt at least some small amount of marginalization solely because you have blades on your feet. Now, before someone freaks out, in no way is being on blades in a skate park full of skateboarders, skateboarders the same thing as being truly marginalized. It isn't the same thing as being killed for driving while black or the same as being a transgender person leaving a bar and seeing three burly guys following you down an alley. There's no parallel there. Blading is a choice. You can leave your skates at home. You can choose to avoid that conflict at the skate park or favorited kink rail. In contrast... You can't dis ever decide to not be the color of your skin or whatever your identity is that can often create an undeserved threat around you. But even if it isn't the same thing, being in the blading community does at least give all of us a unique opportunity to connect. It gives, us all it gives all of us the smallest taste of that feeling of being other. Even if you are right-handed, hetero white guy with great hair, you probably have had a taste of what it feels like to be unfairly judged, sometimes hassled, sometimes beat on, and occasionally, sadly, 
killed just for having blades on your feet. So as a group, we should multiply them by a thousand and start to get a sense of what it's like to walk in a world that sees you as other due to the color of your skin or your gender identity. So in the end, if there was ever a community of people of all colors and types that should be able to come together and move the world forward in the area of inclusion and diversity and equity, it's the blading community. We are an incredibly diverse community where even the most privileged archetype groups should be able to relate to the feeling of being other at some point. There should be enough mutual respect in this community to empower us to have these hard conversations. To create true unity by embracing our differences rather than pretending there aren't any and thinking that's good enough. Rollerblade proposed, proposed this forum today not to fix anything, but to begin something. To bring a small group together from a variety of viewpoints within the blading community. To have the audience send in questions, thoughts, and concerns. To start to express and explore the pain and issues that may exist in our community and our industry with a goal to find a path forward, to have ongoing conversations that lead to actions, to investments, and eventually to progress along a path to a more inclusive, diverse, and equitable industry. And if we can achieve that, then our industry and our community can be an example of the larger world around us, that there are ways to come together and do some important, long overdue things in this world. As Martin Luther King so eloquently said, Never, never be afraid to do what's right, especially if the well-being of a person is at stake. Society's punishments are small compared to the wounds we inflict on our soul when we look the other way. So I want to give a huge shout out to our partner Rollerblade in this because that was very eloquently put. And um, good job reading I'm looking it, by forward the way, to too. Thanks. <laughs> you did great. I, I, I didn't want to take the focus of the words onto my... But thanks. Um, but yeah, it was um, great words from Rollerblade. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. I want to stress first and foremost, before we have this conversation, we're going to be talking about some We're going to have some challenging conversations, some uh, sensitive topics. And um, our guests and us as hosts wanted to assure everyone, as well as our guests and people watching, that this is a safe space. We're not out here to hurt anybody. We're just here to discuss, um, see other perspectives and and really learn some stuff. So uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce our guests, um, Kenan Scott, Melissa Brown, and Jesus Salgado Medina. Let me cue up the uh, guest intro courtesy of Butter TV. Now let's get everybody in here. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Nice job, Bills. See, we got a special group of people. You yeah, need the applause great. for this. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm super excited to have you guys on and have this conversation. Once again, I want to thank Rollerblade for affording us the opportunity to to have this conversation. Um, I know we, we haven't done this before where we've had more than one guest on, so I'm going to kind of um, introduce each person so uh, we all don't speak at once, but uh, if... Kenan, you wouldn't mind introducing yourself um, and little intro, uh, who you are, backstory, history, skating, personal background, and please. For sure. Thank you. Uh, Kenan Scott, originally from Brooklyn, um, one of the older bladers. I'm 42. 
So next year will mark my 30th year on skates. I'm so excited for that. And so, yeah, I've been skating since 92, since before it had trick names when we were just bombing hills in the hood or in the urban area. Always got to make sure I keep it tight with my language. Um, I then went to college where I skated some more, met up with really cool people like Hakeem Jamo and shout outs to Brian Lewis. They introduced me to a young upcoming upstart named Billy O'Neill, who was like 13. <laughs> At the time, my friend Dwayne and I were trying to figure out a way for us to create a more um, real, and I mean that in the like, the like uh, Dave Chappelle way, like let's keep it real. We were trying to make a more real clothing company in rollerblading. And so we started a brand called Monks in 2000. Uh, fortunate enough to do that for six years, have an incredible team that everyone thought was not nearly as good as it should be, but our team included Brandon Smith, Omar Weissong, uh, Victor Arias, uh, Ben Schwab, um, and this guy, Billy O'Neill. So I think we did pretty good. Had a really um, amazing time running a brand, but learned really quickly that clothing is a rough margin for making yourself uh, a career and a life out of. Went back into engineering, which is what I have a bachelor's degree in, and uh, took some time to start a family. So then, you know, you get into life stuff. Got married. I have two wonderful boys. One is six, about to be six next week. One is 11. And, you know, settled into that dad life while also maintaining the blading. I never stopped skating. I think I took seven months off. That's the longest I've taken off um, without an injury. Um, and like, you know, Fish knows, I called him like days after that whole Russia or that whole car incident where I was like, dude, are you dead? So like, I haven't yeah. taken breaks off. Like, unless you got broke like that, you didn't, you know, whatever. Proud to represent JSF for the last decade. Um, in 2017, I had a crazy accident on a soul grind where I was just doing a regular soul on an A-box. I stuck at the, the flat of it and went shooting back to the back of my head with no helmet on, um, cracked my skull in four places, lost gray matter in my frontal lobe, which is where you handle emotion and organization. Couldn't stand on, on my two feet for two weeks. Uh, learned how to rebalance, learned how to see the world again, and started a channel called Blading on the Brain to talk about what people don't often talk about, which is mental health, mental health awareness, and the fact that like we play Russian roulette every day with our bodies when we do the sport we love. So there is something to being safe about it. I don't chastise nobody for not wearing a helmet, but I do preach the gospel of being safe. And that's what I do on Blading on the Brain now. And that's how I try to give back to a community that's given me so much over 30 years. Kenneth Scott, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Kenneth, thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for letting us know about yourself, you know, giving us your background, opening up to us. Um, keeping it moving, uh, we have Melissa Brown as well. Melissa, would you like to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, Melissa Brown. I go by she, her, um, known as Melly Blady on Instagram. And I've been skating on and off since like 2000, 2001. Um, I'm currently residing in Arizona and I did grow up here as well. So I had some really cool uh, skaters uh, growing up skating here in Arizona, like back in those Dustin Latimer days and the French brother days. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I 
had like a really bad injury back in like 2009 and I quit skating for like five years but I I did play some roller derby out in Oregon just recreationally and ever since then I I started skating rollerblading again and after getting back into rollerblading I started traveling and moving around all over the states and living in other parts of the world as well and in 2017 I founded Roller United Um, And that's pretty much just like a fun, fun thing I do to help hype up the women's scene in rollerblading. Uh, But we're inclusive with skateboarding, scooter, BMX or bike, um, and roller skaters as well. So I just like hosting these events and giving opportunity for women to to just have a nice session and, and do a lot of like, go have fun and skate with other women um, and it's all for nonprofit work so we we work with a lot of charities and nonprofits as well and uh, I'm not an actual business but I do have a legal fiscal sponsorship with drop in action sports complex out of Boca Raton Florida so any work we do is all nonprofit and we also will help benefit drop in as well very cool. That's awesome. That I didn't know awesome. you did all yeah. that. I didn't know yeah, you were a roller derby girl. <laughs> yeah, three three years. <laughs> Damn, that's sick to hear. Yeah. Well, thank you, Melissa. Um, Jesus. Thank you for letting me notice that I dropped the ball on my pronouns. He, him as well. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Jesus, all right, hello, everyone. you're up next. Hello, everyone. My name is Jesus Salgado Medina. I go by he, him. I'm 30. I'm a 36 year old second generation New Yorkerican, which means that my grandparents moved from Puerto Rico to New York, then had my parents who later on had me. I'm also a husband. I'm currently a student working towards my bachelor's degree, doing that online. Um, aside from that, I've been rollerblading for 25 years of my life. And it's had, it's been a very significant part of my life. I have a very small family. So rollerblading helped me help make up for like the lack of family that I do have. And within those 25 years, I've been a beginner. I've been a recreational skater. I've been an aggressive skater. I've been a competitor. I've been an, an event organizer and I've been an inline skate coach. And most recently I've been trying to figure out what I could do to contribute to the sport, to extend its longevity, meaning I would like to see more young people taking part in like aggressive skating. Or any sort of skating and just having a good time on their skates, whoever they are. Very cool. Everyone, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. Um, I know you guys each have your own uh, story, your own perspective on a lot of these uh, issues we're about to go through. But, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people are wondering, uh, like uh, was touched upon in the Rollerblade mission statement, uh, why? What's the importance of this conversation? Um, why not uh, just shut up and sell skates versus using your voice and power? And how how does the diversity, equity, and inclusion affect our personal lives? Why would we have this conversation? Who wants to take it off? Anybody? I mean, I'm just going <laughs> to... Yeah, why not? for the moment but like this is just for the segue for the moment but like i think why not why 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 are we not setting the bar 
<clears throat> pardon me, get emotional early, but why are we not setting the bar as an exemplar for a community of inclusivity? If we preach it and we say that this is the, the best sport, this is the most open community, this is the most diverse and, and accepting community, then let's actually be the example for everyone else. We can do that. So, I mean, why not have these conversations? That's my first. But I know we have an order, so I'm going to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think these conversations, like, why have this? It's because we, they need to happen. I mean, people and brands and skaters will look at this as being part of a solution in creating a stronger community on and off the skates. And, you know, going back to Ken and being an advocate in mental health, I mean, we've all been affected by, unfortunately, skate friends who have committed suicide. And there's so much, there's so many groups of people who are marginalized, you know, BIPOC, LGBTQ+, plus, uh, females, youth, and, and underserved communities. And these groups are not represented well, and nor are they given the equal opportunity. Well, I think the conversation needs to be had because like growing up, um, I was never like really good at, well, first of all, I'm Puerto Rican, but I grew up in like uh, El Barrio, like right in the middle of New York's hood, poorest neighborhood, the projects. And there was not many people who look like I do. Like there's Puerto Ricans that look different than I do. And then the rest of the community look different than I do. So I was like quite often like, like judged as being like, I guess, white, which was one, like, even though I wasn't, but it seemed like there was an attitude towards white people that I had to like deal with because I look white. And like, it affected me in many ways. I felt, I felt like I was e easily targeted whenever I wasn't good at something to be like made fun of, made the joke out of. You know what I mean? So because of those hard times, I started looking for like a, a, a like a solitary activity or some some way to express myself on my own. And at first I found a unicycling, which was awesome. I got really good at it. I was working for the Big Apple Circus for like a few years, starting <laughs> at 12 years old. <laughs> yeah. And then um, that's where I met a couple of rollerbladers. I don't know if you guys remember them, like Gio Garcia and Joey Hines and Eric, of course. And during that same time, I was transitioning to like, like the reason why I didn't continue unicycling because not too many people was doing that. And every time I go back home, I wasn't able to share that experience with, with anyone. And I guess that's what I was trying to do, trying to look for an opportunity to share an experience with people. And with basketball, it didn't work for me because I sucked at it. I was terrible. And then I would be easily made fun of. So then I found rollerblading through Eric and these other people. And then I was able to make that transition from doing like unicycling on my own and making it a challenge for myself. So like uh, challenge, channeling that energy towards like inline skating, which I felt like was a great opportunity of like self-expression. You know what I mean? Like all of that time when I wasn't recognized for the things that I thought that I was good at, I felt like to myself, that was the time when like through executing something that was challenging for myself, I feel accomplished at the end of it. You know what I mean? So what I mean to say yeah. is like rollerblading, like provided an atmosphere where I wasn't, where I didn't feel like uh, marginalized. Like I didn't feel like prejudged just because of the way I look. I, I felt welcome. But then I did come into the community with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder that was extended from the neighborhood I grew up in. 
You know what I mean? So probably like quite often when people see me, they'd be like, Jesus, you was an a-hole when you was a kid. You used to always have a small <laughs> mouth on you. And I recognize that. And like, I actually wish I wasn't like that, but it, it is what it is because of how I came up and where I grew up. But I found rollerblading to like, uh, you know, it helped me get away from the neighborhood and feeling like oppressed by, you know, just being there itself. Another situation, well, actually, I'll get into that one later. But I think that rollerblading, like now, sometimes I see that people are like judging of other people because they're rolling on a grind or because of this, that, and the third. And it's like, if you start making people feel bad about the way they want to enjoy themselves on blades, then they're not going to buy them anymore. And if they're not going to buy them anymore, then, then like, how does the industry continue to expand? It doesn't. So I think we should be welcoming. And I think rollerblading should be a place where people feel as if they can express themselves, be themselves, and not be judged. You know what I mean? And like, I think now we're learning and trying to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah, man. Nice. I think we have... Go ahead, Bills. No, I, I was just going to say, I nice. I like how you tied that all in yeah. all the way around back to it, but that, that was good. Go, go on, Kenan. I, I was going to say that we all have a unique... And, you know, while Mel's getting her charger set up and getting back in the convo, there's a bunch of us from New York in this in this call right now. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a unique perspective on the world being in such a diverse, naturally diverse landscape. So, like, I came into the scene because of a bunch of, you know, all, for albeit lack of better ways to say it, white guys who skated in Park Slope. But these are some of my like, best friends, homies I got tatted on my body now that passed away because they were accepting of someone who came in with no background, who just happened to see a Royale and was like, oh, I'm gonna come back. Y'all always here? I'm not even gonna bring my skates for like the first three weeks cause I'm gonna just come back every week and see what y'all are doing. For them being somebody who was like in the scene, in the crew, repping the crew and all those things. And so, you know, I came into it having to learn about Goldfinger and 511 and, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> 311? You're talking about 311? 511 of the Levi's. Oh, the Levi's. I know those. <laughs> like, what are any of these numbers? Like, what are these groups? Mm -hmm. What is this music? What is this culture? What are these people? What is it all about? I always say if Dave Payne didn't put I'd be blowing in VG, I probably wouldn't be blading because that was the first song that I was like, oh, Oh, I can still remember the water flowing, the leaves, and Robert Leovano's doing that long royale because that was what clicked for me. It was like, oh, look, somebody understands something that I like. It's not just these metal bands and like things I don't understand, these trick names and, and squats and poses, but like it's, hey, someone, hey, there's some daylight in there. So I'll stick around. <laughs> so why DEI? Because yeah. like, like you said, like if we don't have something for people to catch, the sport will will fade, and I'm gonna turn it back to you, Mel, because you this was your stage for a minute. <laughs> yeah, so, so, sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right, you're back. We're good. <laughs> I'm actually like not that great with tech, and I I work for a tech company. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell anybody that at your job. I'm I'm the same. Guilty. <laughs> I'm not that. Yeah. But I I feel like there was a lot of top like. Everyone had a, a great statement right there. I feel like there was a lot of things that we could have like dug really deep into right there that we're going to get to later on in the yeah. episode. Well, what I was thinking quick, um, because like Kenan was saying, uh, I think we have a unique experience being from New York in such a diverse 
area, and I don't think that's the common experience that that many share. And I, even though there are the, the pitfalls in New York, uh, in and of itself, within like the small communities, but what what was it like? Like Melissa, for example, I'm not even sure wh where you you grew up, but what, what was your experience like uh, getting down with like the groups or you know being maybe on the outside of what other some other groups? What was your experience like? Um. Well, let's see. I was, I, well, how old was I? 14 or 15 when I started skating uh, here in Arizona. And I remember I would always skate by myself. Now, both of my brothers, they used to skateboard. And that's probably how I really got into rollerblading. But I remember skating by myself um, forever. Like my dad would drop me off at the skate park and I would just be alone. And it wasn't until I was probably able to do some grinds, the local guys started like talking to me because it's almost like I had to be good enough at some point for them to acknowledge me as a skater doing the sport. Um, but I will say like that was odd, but I didn't care. I was quite independent, but uh it was after they started like talking to me and hanging out, like the support out here was incredible. Like I love the local guys I grew up skating with and they, I was pretty much the only female skater here and we did have two other girls skate, but they didn't skate as often as I did. So my crew was just me alone with all the guys and it was awesome. They, they pushed me so hard in a way um to to skate like them in a way but after i started competing um i remember i went to a contest in torrance and i had messed up my ankle and then i think it was the playstation hookup tour series and I went to the Vans at Orange Block and I placed like fourth amongst 22 guys. And that's when I got some prize to go to Woodward West for Girls Rule Week, or maybe it was just Woodward West, but at that point they were doing Girls Rule, Rule Week. And that was the first time I ever skated with 20 girls. Like the, the Woodward West weeks were incredible. Like there were so many skateboarder girls and, and rollerblader girls. And after that, that changed my life. Like having to be able to skate with women was so different than, than anything else I had in my life. So my dog is going crazy. <laughs> my dog is harassing me right now. <laughs> Everyone got their puppies out. Uh, but... Melissa, a props to you for sticking around for all that because considering that you skated by yourself for so long and then however many years or whatever that might have been before you went to Woodward to actually skate with other females, you stuck around that entire time. That's huge because I feel like nowadays everyone is a lot more accepting nowadays than they were well, in, in that way and that aspect than they were you know, back then. I feel like every time I go to a skate park now, generally people, if I, if I see somebody who looks like they just started skating or don't really know what they're doing. Like, I'm happy to talk to them and introduce myself. I know other people I skate with as well are the same way too. And a lot more welcoming to, to newer faces to the sport. So 
Um, yeah, it's like we get to be now as we're older, like the, the people who can change that, like no one really talked to me, but if I see especially another another uh, woman at the park, I'm going to be like, hey, what's up? Like, nice to meet you, you know, and get that conversation started with them because it is quite intimidating for, uh, I mean, it was for me, I can't speak for every woman, but for me to be the only female at a skate park. And it, it still is sometimes because especially being older, not a kid anymore, but you constantly have these eyes on you and you, you know. That's real, that's real. Yeah, that, yeah, uh... go on Jesus. Sorry, Actually, we're still trying to navigate this Kenan. five people. That was okay, Kenan so. trying to go over you. I didn't well, say thank anything. you for sharing. Yeah, being vulnerable in this space, I think, is where we're going to be able to make headway and expose the reasons why this conversation is important. And so I thank you, Mel, for just like setting it off, like literally. Thank you. You know, I want to share one thing. There's one thing I noticed recently. Like, um, because me, like, Whenever I see a rollerblader, personally, I, I, I get excited. I like to try to nurture it in any way I can. And just recently, I noticed in my neighborhood where I live, there's someone who does skate. And I noticed through like uh, a social media platform. And I was like, oh, wow, that looks like you are skating right down the block from where I live. I have a P-rail, too. I think maybe one day we could like link up and skate. And then like um, I noticed that like he responded like in a real cool way as if he would. But then there was like a, a like a bit of hesitance. And what I think I'm learning from this experience is that maybe some people prefer to just do their own thing, you know? So, I mean, I'm going to give them, I, I'm going to reach out again and see if we can blade and if we can make it happen. Or maybe I, he has to just get comfortable. I, I guess I'm just trying to learn yeah. how to like leave him his own space to decide if he wants to come rollerblade with me since we live down the block from each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe he's got his own insecurities or personal fears. You know, he maybe looked on your page and saw you ripping or something. Who knows? And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Intimidating. <laughs> but but that that's another thing. You know, it's um, I'm not sure if it's if if it's worse now or then. But I th- I, I'm hoping it's better now. I think so. But I remember then even like the you know it was very clicky and hard to like get into like some of like the better crews are hard to. You know, which is why I think we were kind of pushing so hard so we could be accepted into some. But, um, yeah, I think it's that aspect is important, like allowing people to feel like comfortable in the space because it's ultimately it's not like Team Pup and Sud super competitive. This is meant for fun, you know, and mm-hmm. if you want to be competitive, that should be an option. But um, so, yeah, that's my two cents there. I think what it brings up for me is um, how we make sure that we reach out to all the different communities that we see out there trying to get engaged, right? I think it's like just the other day I was at Milpitas Skate Park and this sister came up on quads and they were beautiful and started talking to her about her quads and long, like not knowing her at all, but just talking to her about her skates. And then we get into discussion and I find out that she's the ex of one of my besties and I didn't even know. Right. And I'm like, oh, thank God I approached you. It's like very um, open and exploratory 
manner to be like, what's this all about? What do you mm-hmm. tell me about your face? Tell me about, oh, that's crazy, right? As opposed to like standoffish. And like, I think that we hit a phase of that when the money dried up. You know, I talk about like, uh, I talk about times in Rollerblade, right? 2000, 2004, we had some money. Mm-hmm. Actual, like, sponsorship. Sorry, my dog. You, you can mute temporarily. Hey, <laughs> 2004, the money dried up, and we started to have like that clicky sensation come back again. Right? I remember in New York back in the day, we were the Park Slope Skate cult for a reason, so that we could show up at the banks and be like, "Who won a battle?" Like that was just how it went down. Like that was New York yeah. City. Like I grew up. Yeah, totally. Competitive. You yep. showed up to hit 13 stair with your best stuff. Like that was mm-hmm. what it was. Um, sure. Then we, we kind of got open and we got real, real loose and flexible and appreciative of different styles. Hip hop came in and had a strong influence for a while. Right. And then you, then we went back to skinny jeans. We did the thing. Pants. Right. With a Z. We did all that. But then we hit a point where it was like, you can't big wheel. I'm not going to have nobody big wheeling on my blades. Stuff like that. And that starts to ostracize people out. And I think we're we're now another reason for why have these conversations at this moment is because we are now in a cultural space in the world where we have to get back to basics and to building community because we have all drifted extremely far apart. And we know that we've seen it in, in every arena, right? We, we are watching someone get three guilty verdicts while watching someone else in the same state, same town almost get killed, right? Black people are, are suffering on two sides at one moment. But we know how far we've drifted, but this is the time to come back together. So this is the time where actions are the move. Supporting women and female identifying, non-binary, right? Supporting all of our skaters, supporting quads, supporting big wheels, like, if you see somebody do something cool in big wheels, you should definitely follow that person. You should like that that image, that reel, or whatever it is, and go get yourself a pair of big wheels. Like, why not? Like, what is keeping us in this small bubble other than ourselves? And so we need to be open right now as a world. And that's why I keep saying, like, rollerblading, if, if I could come in and learn to like 311, I got it right now, finally, right? <laughs> Damn, like, rollerblading. Thing. Like I was at that moment, I was listening strictly to Wu Tang and learning about how to be, um, you know, what I'm saying in in the in the nation. Like I was about as leftist black as you could be in that moment. I was not. I was. I was learning about the five percent. I was doing the knowledge, doing the math. Like I was in it, and I met a bunch of white dudes who listened to Goldfinger. Shout out to Sam Hindi, rest in peace forever. Mm-hmm. And them fools were just like, okay, come on. Try this royale. And that that was all I that's all it took. So we need to recreate that. Cause that's what's gonna move our entire like collective humanity forward. It's actions. Like I remember being in those powwow competitions and having the backing of Bernal Heights Collective to run women's comps and fly China in to just straight have a battle with Fallon. Like, cause that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like right now, I, I throw it out there all the time. Like China, if you're listening, will you drop a VOD? Please heal up, drop a VOD, because I will drop you cash right now. I need it. I want it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are just like me and are like, how do you negative? How do you true spin negative X grind? Like, what the heck does that even mean? I can't do it. 
She's ridiculously uh, good. <laughs> I know. Um, but Ken, no, Ken and, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Billy. Uh, no, Ken I was going to say that's a great point. To, yeah, to to add on to your point about the community being open, just real quick, like we all see everything in the world, how uh, everyone is identifying, and it's different from when we were younger growing up, but like I take it in a super awesome new positive way, like, oh, whatever, like the world's changing. That's awesome. But yes, a lot of people, we are ignorant to, you know, gender identity and, and everything like that. But I think if we can push and continue being a very open community and just accepting it and, and just like getting out there and accepting everyone to go skate, like that is positive change, that is action. Just having people be more kind and open and supporting whatever sport you wanna do. And so I, I think you're spot on with that. Like we need to be this extremely open community and, and you know, people aren't gonna be perfect, but I think if we just try to understand and accept people for who they are, that's gonna really drive a community and make rollerblading or other sports feel like everyone can belong as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to add to that if possible. Go ahead, Aegis. Awesome. So um, recently in New York, there's been like some Thursday night meetups and they've been really diverse, which has been cool. And what I've been noticing from that is that there's been like people from many different disciplines coming. Like there's been people that ice skate that took a liking to inline skating and now they're going to these um, like meetups on Thursday and now getting even further exposed to the aggressive aspect and taking a liking to all of it. to whatever level they can participate in it. And I've been noticing these people like investing, buying an aggressive pair or buying like some recreational pairs. And that's cool. And there's also like an inclusion with the quad skaters, like as mentioned before. And who's really leading the way with that, I got to say, and I don't, I'm not really trying to name drop t- tonight at all, but Montre, like, I went to that Oso event that he put together most recently, and it was awesome. He really gave, like, women or ladies an opportunity to have their own day to skate and do their thing on whichever kind of skates they chose to, to utilize. And I saw some awesome stuff. There was actually a girl with quads who won the event. And she was flipping around and doing some awesome stuff. So I, I like that merging that's going on. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, we are all skaters. We just have somewhat slightly different disciplines. But we could all enjoy and appreciate each other's disciplines. Like I have my big wheels, 125s that I like to travel all around the city with. Because some days I just want to get up and go do 10 miles. And then for the most part, I have my aggressive skates. I like to go and get dirty. You know what I mean? And <laughs> it's cool. You should be able to like yeah. have whatever you want and not be worried that if you show up a certain kind of way that you're not going to be welcome to the circle. You know what I mean? Because the more we welcome people to the circle, the bigger our overall circle is going to get, which I think is the goal ultimately. Or at least mine. Honestly, um, those are all really great points. And I think that last point is a perfect way to segue into our next topic, which is why, uh, why is DEI a positive step for brands like rollerblade and, uh, I know we're losing Billy. 
Billy, you there? Like you were saying, the Thursday night oh, no. skate. Billy, we're losing you. People being inclusive and accepting, like. In... Hello? You kind of. Well, am I back? You're back. You're back. Am I back? I think you're sorry. back. Sorry. <laughs> but... I'm sorry. We haven't made it yet at Jump Street. I'm still working on it. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's. Uh, oh. I hope I'm not too frozen up. There you go. But I think that's a okay. I think that's a good, um, like you were saying, the Thursday night skates. It was a very diverse group bringing everyone together, and that being generally better for skating as a whole. So uh, why is DEI a positive step for brands like Rollerblade and uh, the accessibility for people different socioeconomic backgrounds and and things like that? Do you want to take this one off, Melissa? Yeah, I can start. Um, so for, first, like shout out to Rollerblade. Um, this is an opportunity that they're giving us. And we are right now, you know, the guests of a very diverse group of skaters and the ability to talk about our experiences. Um, I think that's just super cool with what Rollerblade is really trying to lead in the forefront. Um, and it is necessary to address the issues of the the presence or lack of of BIPOC, LGBT, um, underserved, and and the inequities in inline skate communities. But um, yeah, I, I think this is a super positive thing for Rollerblade to start doing this because right now, you know, I feel like people really want to be represented, and the best thing to do is like provide role models for that and for younger people or for other smaller groups within skating to see like their people doing something within the industry or having, you know, a, some sort of spotlight or something like that. Um, and rollerblade bringing this conversation into the spotlight already shows this genuine initiative by a large brand to create change and give more opportunity. And I think it's gonna really drive this momentum to take action in DEI efforts and be part of the community instead of just making skates. So kudos on that and, and you guys as well with Jump Street. But I think with change, change is probably one of the most exciting things. With change, you get new ideas, new partnerships, new opportunities and be able to open your doors to different opinions and ideas. And that I think is one of the, like that's so positive for brands if they want to take part in that and give people that opportunity and connect this community and make it larger than it is. And on the business aspect of it, like the more people you can reach, then of course the more your brand will get out there. And if you're really into your sales and all that, like it's just gonna naturally happen. But you do have to reach out to those communities. That means to underserved poor communities, you know, we gotta come up with some outreach programs or work with individuals who already grassroot these programs. I know there's a couple grassroots in New York I know there's a couple in California and I think one of the like nicest, easiest ways to help truly create opportunity in equity is to utilize the people who already do something 
and and work with them or help partner with them and be able to reach out to everyone as best as we can. So, you know, like I would love to do some work here in Arizona now that I'm going to be staying here for a while. So we'll see what happens. That's awesome. Um, yeah, to your, yeah, to, to, to your point, as you were saying, we were talking about before, like, um, like in these really tough socioeconomic areas, like uh, there actually tend to be a lot of skate parks around. And so there are like, yeah. these areas and spaces where you could actually utilize the neighborhoods and engage um, perhaps some people who wouldn't have the opportunity w without um, someone reaching out or, or making an event. Um, yeah, there's know, what, a... There's a roller skater, L7, who go, has been touring around America and going to res, res lands, reservations, and really being connected with indigenous communities. And that's, that is awesome. It's because she sees that that is a gap with that, the, the group, the marginalized indigenous groups. And, and she's one of those bridges trying to bridge the gap with roller skating and people of her kind. And that's something we should take and, and follow that kind of lead. And if you can do it as an individual, why not have a big brand back you? Yeah, I was gonna say there's a there's a shift of power that has to happen, um, or at least a redistribution of power that says, you know, yes, being able to lace 360 topsoil, 270 alley fish or something crazy is like what sells skates. But there also has to be a level of being in the community, being able to provide um, access and, and lessons and, and engagement to people to broaden the, the pool of those engaged. So I think about here in Oakland, we have Town Park. We have Town Park because of K-Dub. Right, shout out to K Dub, who's a skateboarder who initially just like commandeered the parking lot in Defemory Park, like just started putting up skate obstacles, and then we started coming, and then slowly but surely it got permitted, and then slowly but surely he got funding from Tony Hawk to redesign it to make mm -hmm. it a bigger, better skate park. Where when you go to Town Park, it is those who live in that area predominantly skating there at seven in the morning. It's like Be Free when he lived in West Oakland and a bunch of dudes who live in West Oakland skating there. And then you have kids. So like we would throw the Oakland Blade Jam there and we would have kids come and we would be able, We I think what we normally did was what, I think a lot of brands do similar to what you guys did for Jump Street. You just have people, if you've got like two or three of these shells sitting in your garage, bring them out, let's make some setups, let's get some kids in some skates, We'll walk them through. I think we had um, we had that time. I think one one time that it really really popped off. We had backing from Power Slide. We had um, you know shout outs to Blading with Chef's Knives. Ob came up and he brought a bunch of skates. We we grassroots a bunch of skates and we just had kids try on skates all day. And people were there to hold their hands and walk them through it and just engage. And it's to Austin's point. Then you you get to see the bridge right. It's not that I'm not as good as you, Jesus, but it's that I'm not as good as you yet. And you're going to be there to show me and check it out. You live down the street from me, so I'm going to come by and watch a little bit for a couple days. 
but it's those grassroots organizations or peoples, or mm-hmm. maybe it's an alliance with the um with I Skate IA, right? You have people who are certified <clears throat> and you back them to do the work in their community because you know that that hundred pairs of skates that you're gonna give them to like let people use for for the next twelve months is gonna grant you a hundred plus pairs of skates sold, and that's just like that has to become a new um, shift in power. So why is DEI an important step? Because you see, you can see brands like Rollerblade stepping into the urban areas and providing support for the skaters that are there trying to build a community, thus create a sustainable sport. We're, we, are, we are stewards of a dying sport at all times, I feel like. And we're Can, just, can we I add it. to what you, sorry. Get in there all the time. Uh, I want to build about, with you on what we're talking about. Right? I'm really feeling what, you, what you're laying down. I'm picking up what you're putting down, man. So this is what's going on in, like, uh, on my behalf. So most recently, a bunch of friends and myself had this amazing idea to put together like this as inclusive as possible, like skate event. And like the ideas were just flowing. And then when, when reality kicked in, it just was so much more challenging than the stacking of ideas. Because if you want something legit where you could like trust that you're not going to get kicked out, you're probably going to have to pay for a permit unless you own a space. You know what I mean? So like our initial idea was to like get this amazing place that's in a public area where people are passing by and then there could be some exposure to people that's never skated before. And then I'd use that opportunity to maybe volunteer some of myself and my teaching ability with the rollerblades to like give some lessons. And then like, it was like the ideas was great. But once we started trying to like lay it down, it was just like so expensive. And then you start to notice that some of the people that, you know, you're sharing your ideas with, they don't really know the mechanics that it's going to take the the legitimacy, like how to really go about it. You got to know what office to call if you want to get a permit somewhere and you got to be like confident in what you're selling. You know what I mean? So what I then had an idea of is like, it would be nice if like, the skate communities, I mean, like the industry could like set aside funding to help support the grassroots people so that we can achieve the goal of getting maybe some of these permits so that we can do that big event and not worry about getting kicked out. Because then that, like that would, that would be a bust if you bring like a whole truckload of skates, which we probably could pull off. But then what if what if you get kicked out? You know what I mean? So then we would have to just pack up and go down the block again. I think a great way to support that is if there was like a set of funds that was allotted to the side to be trusted into like the the grassroots leaders in certain communities to like help bring some of these great ideas to fruition. You understand what I mean? Uh, no, I mean to be honest, that sounds like uh, that sounds like good business, anyways. Yeah. So not 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 only are you including people. But now it's like you you set aside that funding. It's like a constant reinvestment into into the the future of you know the community and the sport. And it just seems like common sense on on so many levels, you know. Yeah, because too often when uh, me and my friends try to come up with events, it just starts with like whatever money we know we have in our pocket that we could like put up front, and then we try to see what we could do and how to build from there. But it's like that that budget has a limit. You know what I mean? And then, like I said, reality sets in. So maybe if companies, they don't even got to promise it to anyone, but if they had it in their own minds, maybe they already do to set funding aside. But as I said before, then maybe that could be like an impactful thing that could help with like diversifying 
and expanding what we're doing. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Thank you. <laughs> um, Do you want to? Uh, I was saying, should we, uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear about this topic as well. We're talking about like diversity in teams and kind of, you know, oh, I use teams loosely because, you know, it's, it's not all companies have teams now or families, <laughs> whatever it may be called. Um, but bringing all, all more diverse teams to the industry because uh, we had this discussion a couple of times in the past few episodes on Jump Street Podcast about uh, like just ways to get other demographics involved in skating. And one of the ways to do that is to show that there are role models or people to look up to that you can relate to as well. It's not just like a 30 year old male professional skater, which is, you know, what most professionals are these days. They're more females, more, more of the youth, you know, more people from different backgrounds. Um, so we're curious to, to ha open up this discussion too, to see how we can help grow those teams and diversity. Yeah, I think it'd be great to see more more women on skate teams. I think it's great kind of where uh, shops and, and wheel companies have been going. Like, I know Kay is sponsored um, and has her own anti-rocker model, and Becky's riding for 50-50. I'm sure Martina is skating for someone again. And, you know, Mary is killing it with Power Slide right now and USD. But there, there are so many talented women. I mean, out of South America, you have so many good women and Japan and Korea. And I think, you know, not we can we can preach about maybe our industry within the states, but maybe we can take this and, and help mold a template for other countries to to be more inclusive as well or to give the opportunity for women or even talented youth you know like back in the day fallon and katie brown they were like sponsored pro skaters at 14 or 15 or 13 like where's that again <laughs> but it would be great to see like more diverse presence as well like women and if we really are opening opportunity up to marginalized groups like to black skaters to native american skaters you know to a foreigner in our country skater type of thing you know just being more open to it and not just showing on someone's instagram your typical you know same person who falls underneath you know a, a Caucasian middle-aged adult yeah I'm gonna I have a lot on this personally I think I've done a lot of deep dives into the data and looked at like the number of skates that somebody's had versus like someone else or you know how many skates have been in the last six years that haven't included you know someone from a marginalized group like how many skates has it been until like I've looked at those types of numbers and you know data is never gonna help your case but I think what um, what what is most Im uh, important is to understand that like what you promote is is who you attract. What you put out there for people to see and engage with, the more people you can put out there that that speak to the different 
organs, the different, the different organisms, the different humans that actually like engage in our sport, the more chance you have of, of attracting their like-minded people. And so, you know, I, uh, I have like, I, I, I lose, I lose focus on this because I have so much behind my, in my head around like, just why don't we have teams that look like the, the people that ride? So I have been in charge of for personal, personal, uh, professional, excuse me, professional reasons. I'm a VP of a tech company, right? This is dope. It's amazing. I've never been given a job like this in my life. I'm the first black VP of this company, right? This is a, a company that raises millions of dollars through series A and series B funding. Shout out to Bitwise Industries. And like, I'm the first black VP. I'm not the last because we've hired another. We actually speak what we say, which is that we want the organization to look like the cities that it's in. So like when I'm in charge of building a community of salespeople, software developers, security guards, um, a chef for our restaurant, like when I'm trying to understand what that looks like, I'm looking at my community and going, well, I know there's a bunch of Filipino people and oh, my Hmong community. And, and it's not that I'm like, I have a checklist, but I want to make sure that there's somebody in the building when, when, when let's just use Hmong, for example, when someone from Hmong or, 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 you know, Southeast Asia comes in, I want them to find someone right away that they go, Hey, okay. Cause that allows you to breathe. You're not feeling like this the whole time. I, I'm lucky, right? I'm in a community very open in Bay Area, whatever, but I've been the only like black skater for so long sometimes. Like when Mike LaShore was here, it was he and I. And then we throw you, you add Vinny in the mix. And then, you know, Mike LaShore leaves, Vinny retires, it's just me again. Then B Free moves. All right, I got B Free. And then Phil comes. So now it's me, B Free, and Phil. But now B Free and Phil are gone, and I'm the only black skater in JSF yet again somehow. Like it, you just feel it, regardless of, um, how open and cool your crew is, you would just be like, hold up, how'd I become the only one again? Like, what just happened? <laughs> and like, things you would never know about me, why I love Bobby Spazov so much is because he's the first Israeli with a pro skate. My wife's Israeli. Half my family is Israeli. I get to like send them videos of Bobby and be like, look, <laughs> he goes to the skate park by your house. You could go meet him and send me a video. So, you, you know, plug him so he knows that I exist, right? Like. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I get excited to see the diversity, like all of it. And then like, we'll get into inclusion, we'll get into sales. But like, if you don't have somebody for me to identify with on your team, straight off off the top, I'm kind of like, well, are your clothes cool then? Like, are your wheels look better than someone? I got to find some other reason to support you. Mm -hmm. But if you got somebody like Montre doing, being the showman that he is, I'm more apt to be like, well, okay, what you talking about, Montre? Who, who? I don't know nothing about no runs, but um, I guess I'll look it up. You know, like. <laughs> Can I say something on top of that, Kenan? Uh, you talking about how, you know, if you don't see yourself on a, a team or out there, I think that's so true. And, and Michaela put, you know, if she wrote, if girls don't see themselves on these teams, the drive to pick it up and stay will dwindle. And that's, mm -hmm a true statement. I've reached out to so many women throughout my years, given them skates, uh, try to skate with them lessons and whatnot. And yeah, they don't stay into skating. It's very rare when a female does, but then you look at roller skating and they have a phenomenal female following. And it's because they have female athletes in the spotlight 24 seven. 
And that's something we definitely are missing because you go on Instagram and you see like someone who has a female team writer who's a big company and how many posts do they make about her? Not often, you, not like, so we need more of that. We need more. You know what I noticed? Sorry. Sorry about that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. But I want to I want to build with where you left well, where I cut you off. I'm so sorry about that. But like I wanted to share that to do like some research for this episode, I went online so I could try to cause I don't really know who rides for who. And then like in my search, I noticed that like it's really hard even then to really see a legit like listing of who's on what. Besides Rollerblade, they actually had a pretty extensive one. Not to like, you know. But they really did have like a lot of clarity and who's riding <laughs> with them and where their roles. But the other companies, like I was just trying to get it together to know like how inclusive they are and like couldn't find any like proper like uh, representation on those sites. And it seems like most of like the, our, our awareness comes from like a lot of self promotion. Seems like rollerblading altogether in, in the industry has been based off the strength of people's ability to self promote. And uh, it looks like I'm cutting out. I can't tell. There no, you look good. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So no, um, I, I yeah, forgot so. the, the point I was trying to get. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. I, it's like uh, like um, the representation. It wasn't really there. It's like people like force it out there. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm riding for this. I'm doing It's like they're doing all the work. I don't know how much reward there yeah. is, but it seems like they're doing all the work. You know, it's, it, it, it seems like a different model nowadays for sure. Um, but to, you know, to, to Melissa's point, um, I, you know, I was thinking about this topic when we were going through it earlier um, before the episode. And I was thinking about the early days in skating. And, you know, I think because when it was like more in the mainstream, they had a they did a way better job of including women. And, you know, you look back, one of the earliest pro skates was the Tasha Hodgson skate. Like that's like in the oxygen days. And, you know, you look at the early Rossi's ads and, you know, Don Everett was in there and there were, you know, Cade Django and Neda Gain. And, you know, you'd, they, they did it. Angie Walton, they, they did a good job of, uh, you know, you, you notice when it was more in the mainstream, the, the marketers were more aware that you had to kind of inter have these representations of each group where I think, Maybe I'm not sure somewhere along the way, even though it's important to be pushing the progress of the sport somewhere along the way, it just became super centric of like the most elitist high level, I guess, type skating competitive aspect, which is important in its own right. But then we'd kind of, I think, ended up neglecting what we kind of were aware of earlier in like the in the in the 90s. Yeah. As that retraction I'm talking about, Billy, once the money kind of dwindled, we went backwards. Like we, we, we shriveled. We didn't, we didn't like, like right now, I, shout outs to Diop. They are a black owned business. They make clothing in um, Detroit and they, they featured me on Instagram most recently because I buy their gear, right? I buy their masks. Straight up. <laughs> I buy their masks. They reached out to me. They were like, yo, I wear their masks in my videos. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm in the mask. They were like, yo, we want to do a story on you. What do you want to talk about? I was like, I want to talk about blading. And then particularly that like this moment right now where we are sitting on the precipice of finance, well, literally, the industry has seen three, 300 times financial gains, three times over financial gains, right? We're like where we were in 2004 or 2002, let's say, 
when when Aaron was riding for Levi's and uh, Solomon at the same time, right? Or Gap or whoever it was, right? At that moment, we were sitting rich and we retracted. We came back in on that, like, just like you said, Bill, it's like, if you're not the most elite, crazy pro, I might flow you some wheels, but I'm not going to promote that I, I flowed you wheels. I'm not going to put you in the spotlight like, you know, Jesus is mentioning. I'm not, you know, you're going to have to go on Instagram and be like, yo, I got a new package. Check out my YouTube channel for the new package to drop from. But like, if I think about my Grom days, like if I, I don't know how many of y'all really Groms, like Victor Arias is a Grom. Uh, ben, Le ben Lemon from um, Rome, Minnesota. That dude is the superest, dopest Grom I've ever seen. He knows everybody's switch. Like, I don't know how. But, like, if you think of 50-50 Frank to me, I think of two. The Yellow Julio and the Aquafab. Those are the two I think about. And then I go, okay, Rashad had the red one, right? Demetrius had the yellow. Like, then I start to, like, go out into others. But that, that Aquafab, the reason why I know it is because she was on every DB ad. Mm -hmm. We saw that Fab picture, her doing the reels. At one point, I remember just saying about it, like, Fab was the, our biggest spokesperson. She was on the Got Milk Tour going city to city, boosting on the vert with dudes on bikes. And I mean, just like slaying them. Shout out to Jason Hines. You know, he was he was the MC of that tour. And like, we were right there, but we're there again. And this is the moment, I said it in the Diop piece, this is the moment that we need to actually expand, not retract, not say, uh, I don't actually have a team, but I got people that ride for me. How does that mean? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, literally, like, I feel you. But, like, there was a moment when Razors, do you remember when Razors lineup was like, we got the pros in the Europe division. We got pros in America. We got a flow team here. We got people yeah, yeah. that just, just, they had, like, everybody name. And yeah. you could see their whole lineup. You could find somebody. You could say, that that's my dude right there. I'm going to ride with him until he becomes a pro. Or sh I'm going to ride with them until they make it big, right? We don't have that right now. And that this is the moment. I say it, I'll say it a million times because it's about a positive show. This is about moving forward. This is about actionable items to then do this DEI thing right. Lead, take Rollerblade's example and say, all right, this and some, and everyone else do it. <laughs> I was like buying your stuff. Like, uh, that's where I'm at right now. So, like, the part about, like, does it drive commerce? I'm waiting for that because I'm like, I'm not going to buy your stuff. No, that, that, that's that's a, that's a good point. I, I think uh, when you, even when you look outside of uh, our industry, you see that uh, in the larger industries of like skateboarding, they they do a really good job and are aware of those things. So that they they all are pretty on top of that. So it just seems like to be smart in all ways, you know, and and good in all ways. But um, I just want to add to that real quick about with it. Does it does it um, drive commerce? But aside from that. Before you drive commerce, you need to bring new skaters into the sport, new faces into the sport. And like I kind of touched on before, it's about creating role models and idols for people. And it's so much easier for somebody to relate to somebody, say you're a female. So it's so easy to someone to relate to another female who's a pro and be like, oh, I could see myself as that person. It's way more inspirational, way more motivational than seeing someone that you, you can't relate to yourself as a person. So having, you know, females like you said in in our sport as professionals with pro models skates frames wheels like fabiola was mm. uh, all those things are huge to bring new 
people into the sport, more diverse new people into the sport as well. So I just wanted to say that besides commerce and sales and like that, that's like the first step that needs to happen before we worry about sales. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree, like, Austin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like when I started skating, <laughs> I was lucky enough to see like Fabiola and Martina, but um, like Martina was my idol. She just had the most like stylish everything. And I was like super tomboyish. So of course I wanted to mimic everything, like her tricks, her style, like she just killed it. And, and that was like something I could relate to, like the, the music I was listening to, the style I wanted, like that was Martina. And I, I was like new into skating, but I idolized Martina in that way. And so because we had like Martina, Fab, you know, Don Everett and everyone like that, it was so, it kept me probably driving in those early days before I started to really skate with other people. So I just wanted to add that real quick. Yeah. Who remembers the NIST days? National Inline Skate Series? This is like late 90s, early 2000s. Well, whenever they came to New York, I actually used to work with them. And like at the South Street Seaport, and one time I had to hold the measuring stick while Fabiola was catching huge airs. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell how high she was going because I was standing right below the thing. But she was soaring up there. And she, I think she actually kind of had to tell me exactly where she wanted me to stand, too, in a, in a pretty firm way. <laughs> but I was young and I had to do it correctly. So she gave me some good instruction. Mm-hmm. But who remembers Miss Days? That was awesome. That was yeah, big, course. right? It's like I you, placed 12 in one. Uh, I think actually, Justin I got third was, place in one, but that's when there was I only five competitors. I think Hakeem came in third. Dustin Latimer won that that round that that uh, specific stop, and I was just happy. I was just happy to like literally lace a trick. I was watching them half the time. I was just like, "What? Oh, it's my run? Oh, no!" <laughs> And it was on cobble, it was in government center, so it was on brick. Like, oh man, it was the worst. But yeah, I love this. That's why that's another reason why we need to go back to grassroots. Most people don't remember the first Blade Cup, but I do. Uh, Nick Nick Wood built an, a, a whole wall ride into the bed of his truck. Like it was like the truck was the foundation for the wall ride, and we were yeah. watching like half blast off it, and the whole thing like shake every time he hit it. Like. That's where Blade Cup started. Like we know it now in its current form. Like it was gra- as grassroots as it could get the first three years. And like if we're not supporting more grassroots spots like that, Windy City riots, A Town stomps, right? If we're not supporting those, we don't have the NIST. So we don't have anything else. Like what are we then supporting in terms of competition style um, athletics, right? And then so, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Austin. It is. Representation first, commerce second. But you know, I get I get militant. I like to put my money where my where my mouth is. Of course, we all want to get to that point, but uh, you know, baby steps, baby steps first. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, you know, like, sorry, go on. All right, so I think on on Kenan, on your point is, I, I think that maybe like some of the people who are currently blading now should invest a little bit more, and then like we, you know, and then with that, we'll help get other people to help invest as well or invest as well i i was gonna say uh off of bouncing off of kenan's last point i think it would also be a good i'm just a segue guy today but i think it would be a good way to segue into the next topic of uh inclusion over diversity 
um, that that Kenan was bringing forth. Forth. Um, so, um, Kenan, would you like to lead the way on that? Yeah, I mean, I'll just define it first. Is like we often talk about equity first. I think that was the first concept that came across in the mass the mass world. We saw the the, the three kids behind the fence. And how do we get all kids to see over the fence to see the baseball game? We understood that first. We understood equity, that this world is not equitable. We have to actually make strides to give people access to the same things. And then that became like diversity. And I, I actually, I love diversity, and, but diversity to me is a Benetton ad. Um, like, it's like, do we, do we hit the check marks? Yeah, okay, cool. We hit the diversity mm-hmm. piece, now right. what? So like, I work in the tech industry and the tech industry is notorious for having a horrible diversity, like overall numbers and, and campaign where they see increases, though, they like to like celebrate it. Be like, yo, we got like six percent black people now. And then you dig deeper and go, well, where? OK, they, they're in recruiting and in HR and in inside sales. But how many of them are software developers or senior engineers? Oh, well, actually, none. And you're like, well, those are the jobs that like propel people to millions. Right. Okay, so you're not actually diverse in any of the places where it's going to, like, change lives. Okay, that's when we start to talk about inclusivity. Because, we, you know, we're here and we're talking about diversity first, equity, and but inclusivity is that everyone has the opportunity to speak into their community, right? Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been silenced from saying anything racially motivated or centered around Blackness because it's, like, not here. This is a safe space, Ken. You can't talk about that. Or we're all sympathizers. Why would you tell me about your experience? I'm like, because you don't live it. I'm currently living my experience. I don't know your experience. I expect you to tell me about your experience or else I'm guessing and I don't like to do that. So inclusivity says that we all actually have, have a voice and that that voice is heard and accounted for. So that includes you know, queer folks, right? That's gonna include low income folks, Right, that's going to include all the marginalized groups that we don't hear from. Like, I, it, sorry, I'm going to just take a moment because it actually pains me to know how many queer skaters we have that live in the closet in our community. If you haven't seen the Tim Adams piece on Wheel Scene, go watch that after this, please. And then watch Blading on the Brain, but go watch that after this, please. Because to hear a firsthand account. It's not, it's not the community that I stand for. And I think that's the biggest part for me is I say inclusivity over diversity because I stand for all voices being equally heard at the table. I stand for, we, we accept you, we accept you for who you are. And if you say some crazy stuff, I might check you on it if I think it's crazy outlandish, but we're gonna have a discussion. We're gonna, we gonna figure out each other's viewpoint before I just dismiss you. And so I think we're so dismissive and we don't listen and that's the next step is we need to start listening. And I just, I'm going to stop because I will cry if I start thinking about my LGBTQI plus like that community. Like it's just like, I grew up in New York in the eighties, in man. I grew up when the AIDS epidemic hit. I know my privilege is that I can see people for who they are and that coming out of the closet is a right. And I just kind of take it for granted sometimes for people. Cause I'm like, cool, let's keep moving. And they're like, no, that's big. And I'm like, you're right. Let me slow down and accept the fact that that is big. I have this privilege of being an open-minded person, but so many closed minds are just closing people out. And it's like, (sighs) (laughs) well, I like to add to that. 
There's actually someone recently from New York, I'm not going to say any names, but they came out recently. And when they came out, it seemed like they were really trying to like force it on everyone, though. Like in a way where like I want you to like still act certain ways. Like it got really weird to the point where they want you to be so accepting where they could be like reckless around you to like 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 really like in offensive ways in physical ways in ways where like you're like it's okay we already accepted you now you're going way too far you know what i mean so i think there's like a a balance to it like we, we can be accepting but then if we are accepting don't try to come and change me now you know what i mean and i i don't have anything against anyone i, I love all my peoples but when you start really trying to like come at someone that already told you like listen like then, then it gets weird. And I'm not going to say any names, but someone is respect. Going to an episode. I think respect is generally should be afforded in, in in all to all people, right? That's a good place to to start. But um, yeah, that by the way, to I I'll back you up on that. The uh, that Tim Adams wheel scene episode was really good, so check that out. Um, huge shout out Tim Adams, great guy. Um, but yeah, the. Do you have Melody? Do you have Melissa? Do you have anything to add to that? Kenan's pretty spot on. Um, I do want to say, like, being inclusive and diverse isn't always just the the human aspect. It is, you know, making skates that fit accessible. Uh, because I have the hardest time finding skates because I have smaller feet. <laughs> so, you know it. Like we need to focus on the people because that is, you know, what makes skating. But we can also try to be better with making products that fit people or are might more diverse. Um, that's why I love supporting so many of these new female-owned brands because they bring a lot more femininity to our like fashion in a way, and not all women are tomboyish i mean i totally love black though like i'll skate in black all the time but now i'm like oh yeah heck yeah crop tops heck yeah Co cozy things yeah like colorful things awesome and that unfortunately it's getting a little more attention now in rollerblading but before you know when everything was just a black a white or a blue t-shirt so i think being diverse in in i guess your rollerblade culture is also important as well um, because people identify with, you know, and, and are building self-esteem with what they wear and what they feel comfortable in as well. That's so an aspect true. I wouldn't have thought of before. <laughs> That's a good point bringing that up, Mel. Yeah, and I think the only way you find that out is to listen, right? Like, none, all of us would have sat in the dark on that had we not heard it directly from, from Mel just now. So yeah. that's the that's the joy of inclusivity is that we're all here willing and, and happy to listen so that we can then spread the awareness and be like, yo, that that made a ton of sense. I don't know why I wasn't thinking of that. And you know, shout outs to uh, all those who make T-shirts that are in women's cuts. Like that is a huge difference. Like you can't just make one cut T-shirt, you know, so. Yeah, my favorite brand back in the day was Yukon because they had an entire women's clothing line. And yeah. I bought probably everything from Yukon. <laughs> <laughs> their whole clothing line was bomb, though. I tried so to buy good. all their shipping. 
It's such it's like good that perfect too. European touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that might be another like outside aspect of the uh, blade fashion. Not only do we got too many of the fellas doing it, but it's like not fashion keen people so it's we need maybe we need some help in in different areas there but <laughs> the yukon did have that european touch they knew <laughs> i uh, before like uh kenny like you said like we wouldn't have known that unless like melissa brought that up i also want to say that we're live right now we have a bunch of people in the chat i see there's a lot of active people michaela is very active angie right now is very active so anybody has anything to say you know talk about it in the chat we're all here to talk about this together so let's keep an open mind about everything and share these ideas because this is the best way for us to create this awareness is just to keep it open and, and keep this discussion going so if you're watching right now live thank you very much and uh don't don't feel the need to be quiet in the chat you know speak your mind and we are um we are at the end gonna as always open it up for questions uh we encourage everyone to put forth their questions and yeah um all right cool I went to a skate um, competition I... yesterday. It was hey, good. Did you miss that top seven alley oops? That was clean. Yeah, thanks. Actually, Angie was there. It was nice to see her for a bit. Oh, <laughs> man, I didn't go now. I didn't know Angie was going to be there. I love yeah. to see Angie. It was a good time, though. She kind of cut out well... while saying goodbye, though. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone. I have two broken ribs currently now, though, so I couldn't. I was like, I can't really do too much. Wow, so, so that was this true? They were broken? Yeah, that's not the point of the oh, thing, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> and no, I can't sorry. Really... <laughs> I just remember you mentioned it one time, and I just imagined that that's so painful, and I'm sorry to hear it. Yeah, no, it's all good. But yeah, I would have loved to have been there yesterday, too, and, and hang out with everybody. But continuing, um, Billy. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so I think we, we touched on our, our next point a bit, but perhaps we can touch on it again. Um does diversity drive commerce? Would you be more likely to buy skates from a brand with diverse team riders who represent a range of different identities? Um, where are we slacking? What can we do better? I believe we touched on this a little bit, but perhaps we can yeah. briefly touch on it again. I think it's one of those great segue questions. I know you love the segue, but I think it's one of those great segue questions into what you're talking about, Jesus, on like the future, right? Like, does it does it drive sales if we put skates in people's hands, right? Does it drive sales if we have people that look like everyone included and, and given media spotlight? Does it does it drive sales to make a mention of, you know, an historic event that has to do with my minoritized people, marginalized people? Does it drive sales to put on your Instagram feed something very a powerful statement, maybe? Like I, I just I put that out there because for me. It's a hundred percent. We were, you know, I just throw throw my own personal experience outside of rollerblading because I think sometimes it helps, right, to to spin the narrative wider. We, I didn't know how to eat healthy until Whole Foods showed up, like legit. Until my wife and Whole Foods came together and taught me how to eat healthy, I was eating like a like a thirteen year old boy still, you know. And so, Whole Foods came to my life. Eat healthier. I know lots of different vegetables, things that I can identify vegetables that grow in the wild. Like I got stuff now. But in the middle of, of shelter in place, the dumb CEO, and I'll say dumb CEO, comes out and says that if people don't eat healthy, it's their own fault. As though economics, socioeconomics, food deserts, and access to healthy food has nothing to do with it, let alone pre-existing conditions. In that moment, I was like, wow, bro. 
you're hella dumb and I'm never going to shop with you again. And I'm proud to say that I got good eggs boxes right here that prove that the rest of my deliveries since have come from other sources locally and locally sourced foods because I'm not messing with that dude no more. I, I like to put my money where my values are. I like to align my purchases with things that I care about and causes that I care about. And so I had the question of like, is there power in the consumer in this moment? Can the consumer exercise their power to not like force the issue of diversity, but accentuate the need for it, right? Or highlight the moments when it is successful. You know, you think about the Sakura wheel that just sold out by dead. Shout outs to dead wheels. I actually think they're doing a lot right now. They have more in the works. I talked to AJ. They have more in the works to celebrate people of different uh, ethnicities and really support movements that are happening currently, right? So like that wheel sold out. It's a beautiful bento box though. Like obviously everyone wanted the Daiso bento box. No, they wanted to support something. They got a dope product and they wanted to support something. I think diversity, I think um, inclusivity and equity all will drive greater sales. I can't believe that quads have not sold more this year than ever in their lives because I see them everywhere. Like quads are everywhere. And to Mel's point, you go on any any feed that has to do with roller skating or quad skating or girl skating and the dips everywhere. Everybody dipping, everybody dancing. Maybe I saw J-Bot and you know, shot of skate Atlanta. J-Bot and Williams on some, on some quads yeah. dancing. I'm like, they're doing flips and 720s on quads. Like, yes, yes, let's go. <laughs> they represent everybody. Like they really do. They do a better job. There's that one guy hitting big kink rows with the quads. You seen that guy? I forgot his name, but he's he got really good style too, man. He's making it look awesome. I want to get that's it. That's crazy. <laughs> when I get his name, I'm, I'm gonna send it in so you guys could look him up. <laughs> but um, I know. how do you? Guys yeah, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying with the uh, the purchasing power, and I do remember the guy from Whole Foods when he said that, and that shocked me especially since his food is it's a privilege when i was able to go to uh, whole foods i was like man that's expensive you know yeah and um obviously a ton of people uh, around the world and in america do not have access to healthy food and yeah. or may, many people don't even have access to food in uh struggling social economic areas so um yeah i agree if you don't believe in something or see something that's you know, going in a way or representing what you want to be represented, you know, why would you, why would you support that? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to just segue away. I just want to leave it open for if anyone else wants to touch this. Yeah. I was, I was going to say something too. I was just saying that that's this definitely something that, um, companies, blading companies should think about also if you're trying to make a little bit of money in this industry that's starving right now you know that's what the reason a lot of these companies go under you can't make any money skating it's tough man you gotta kind of attend to these needs and in, in your think about your customers and what they want to support what they want to buy i know uh we use this example all the time but john's doing a great thing with him supporting the community and giving back to so many people it's it's easy for people to relate to that too so i'm sure that's helping with sales a lot too and other companies can learn from that as well Mm -hmm. definitely but i think it also speaks uh -huh. to the youth so that's why it was a segue for me because it speaks to the youth like 
you know, having accessible like $99 skates on Amazon, like that is, that is a game changer. Like having accessible entry level skates, having skates with a break that's removable. Like these are the nuances that we've, we've learned over time <laughs> help broaden our reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, inline skates can be inexpensive, you're right, it does make it accessible. Because like, unlike like snowboarding, you need to get the whole geared up where that may run you like over a thousand just to like hit the mountain for the first time. Unless you want to rent some stuff. But that is one thing that I do appreciate about rollerblading and how it is so accessible. Yeah, it was like that. That was always a big thing in skating because I remember just like, yeah, skates were like even when they were like two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars back in the day is a lot of money. Yeah. And you know, being able to have a setup for like a hundred hundred dollars, be able to get out there and go skate, you know, it's different. Like you know, if you want to snowboard, you know, we didn't think about snowboarding back in the day. What do you need? You got you need the money for all the gear. You need to get to a mountain, right? <laughs> and that's they don't have them in Staten Island, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And it's it's uh so th- th- that's a huge important part. And to Melissa's point you know, just the, the sizes and the accessibility. So like having that like affordable accessibility, having the size that's going to accommodate the youth and, and, and all people. So I think that's a really good point. Um, I want, I want to jump into uh, a point we were talking about before this all with Jesus about um, offering opportunities um, as an industry. Uh, are people from around the world from different socioeconomic backgrounds, receiving the same opportunities. Who are the gatekeepers? What can we do? What can we be doing better? I'm wondering if you had any thoughts you wanted to share on that, Jesus. So let me um, clear up what I mean by gatekeeper. Gatekeepers. Gatekeepers are people in positions that open the door for other people to walk through. Like they help provide opportunity. You know what I mean? That's what I mean by gatekeepers. Now, when you think about like the world. Um, recently I watched that one like documentary on Lagos and yo, that thing was touching, man. I, mm-hmm. my wife and I actually felt like an emotional, like reaction to it. Like, wow, it was like that amazing. Mm-hmm. Now the, the question is uh, like, like how, how do we get those guys some proper support? You know what I mean? So that they could, maybe some of those guys could be represent re- representatives of some of these companies, you know what I mean? In a way where they. Like, uh, you know, like where it's not just a set of wheels, where, where it could like be somewhat life changing for them. You know what I mean? Like, is, is that even possible? I know that if I wish that I was in a position to help nurture their skating over there through like finances or through like, like things and whatnot. And like, I just, you know, like they, those guys are getting a lot of attention too. I hope people aren't just taking advantage of the exposure that they're getting and just throwing them a couple of sets of wheels without really like supporting them and giving them something to that, that, that goes beyond skating, something for their health, <laughs> something for their mental stability. Cause who knows what they're dealing with in the, in these different places of the world. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean by like, how, how do these people like them or anyone anywhere, how, like, how do you get opportunities? You know what I mean? How, how, how do we get eyes on them? That's actually going to help support what they're doing. That's what I mean to say by that, and that that couldn't. That's not only there. It could be anywhere. It could be like in urban neighborhoods, or it could be like in the in middle America. It could be like anywhere. Like, how do we get eyes out there to like scout for these like, you know, the, to help diversify the industry? And how do we give opportunities to people that are deserving and and need it? And could it could be nurturing for them? You know what I mean? Empowering because it's rolling. It can be empowering. 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think um, to add on, as always, right, we're building here, and something that I feel like is um, little known, and I'm gonna shout out Jeremy. I think it's Beto. Uh, I, I always butcher his last name, but shout out to Jeremy um, from Caspa. He 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 put in my head something that I had thought about, but never really been able to actualize. You know what I'm saying? You think about these things. You go, how can I? How can I give something that allows for growth? And I think that's what you're saying, right? I want to plant a seed with you, but I want you to have what you need to grow that plant in your in your community. Um, and he was like, well, what we're going to do, and I don't know if he's, he's enacted it yet, so I don't want to do no spoilers, but he was going to allow for uh, a group of people to be able to create their own goods to sell, right? On, as a way of being like, I'll, like, almost like an angel funder. Right. So I took that myself and I was like, oh, snap, that's like a that's a way doper way than just saying I'm going to buy like eight sets of wheels and send them to you. Right. Because now I can say you can provide for yourself. So um, at the time it was Black History Month and I was doing a promotion with through my channel and through my my store on Teespring for the the Welts crew in Ghana. They are like this. um, I, I learned about them thanks to Winter Clash. Because Winter Clash has had like its list of um, uh, partners, and they were one of the partners. And I was like, "Ooh, I never hear about Ghanaian skating. I've heard about you know Nigerian skating, but I don't hear about Ghanaian skating." Let me look them up, and I looked them up, and it's just like beautiful community where they're using recycled skates and creating like a space in the city to be able to skate, dance, do jumps. But they play this thing called rollerball, and I was like. What is rollerball, right? Like this sounds crazy. So I look it up. I watch like them. One, they had like a post showing like them playing, and it's like a mix of basketball and soccer on roller skates. And like dudes are ripped. Like <laughs> I would not go toe to toe with the Welts rollerball team because they after the day they show like them like all done and sweaty and winning and i was like dang fellas y'all making me look hell oh i need to hit the gym right but what i did was i took all the proceeds from every sale i had for like the month and i, I was like how much will this buy you in jerseys because they were having a rollerball tournament he's like this this amount will get me two sets of jerseys i was like cool how can i double it and you can sell the other two sets that way you can buy more jerseys to sell, to sell more jerseys so you can become sustainable as a group. And all I did was just basically double my donation personally. Like I took all the money that I raised from the shop, which wasn't a lot, like like 180 bucks, right? It went a lot and I just added my own 180 and they were able to get enough jerseys to have two for tournament and two sets for sale. And like, it that's, that's, a, that's 360 bucks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it made a huge difference for them. I think that's that's that that's that idea of the future of the sport that I think you're getting to is like how do we provide for like even sometimes small scale donations create large scale opportunities and ripple effects. That's a that's a good point. I I, I like the idea like to what Jesus was saying um earlier too, just like having that little bit of uh bit in the budget for funding for these things. It just makes it just makes sense to do that, like have that area, basic reinvestment into the future of the, the game. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll add on to Jesus's uh, earlier statement when you're talking about empowering people. 
I know because I've I've been to a few different countries like um, and the whole women's aspect all over the world is different. But I think, too, because we're here in the States, it can be hard to really speak on behalf of other writers in different countries. But I think if we can find this beautiful balance in empowering those other writers in these different countries who are essentially trying to do or believe in what we're talking about here today. Because maybe we can't financially fund something, but we can motivate them, empower them to to do these conversations or to make these actions in, in their countries and their cities. Because, and like I said, like being a leader, rollerblade, kind of taking this step in and uh, being a leader in conversations like this and to move the industry forward. But I think that's important. Like if we meet someone and we have a conversation online, like we should continue to encourage them, empower them, give whatever resources we can. But, you know, we can't, we can't necessarily uh, physically help them sometimes so if we work together and give each other tools um i think that's a very strong connection we can have with each other as well and because we're not trying to step on all over the industry in america you know we, we don't want to rule the skate world <laughs> so i think if we partner with other companies abroad and everywhere else within their country and give them the respect and and platform for themselves like i think that's going to be such a huge part in in the industry as a whole yeah so much has happened for the shinobi group give once given a platform and given the viewership right once people start tuning in you see that that effect of uh, that growth that impact grow i agree with you melissa mm -hmm. And actually, I've just been following this uh, really good blader from Iran. I forgot his name. It starts with an S. Pretty hard to pronounce, but he seems to be the only blader from there. And this guy is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's just, I get it. I'm happy to see him doing it. Yeah. Especially being the only one that I get to see doing it from where he's from. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I, I don't know the name too offhand, but he reached out saying... Uh, like how can I be known? How can I how can I get like my videos on Instagram and stuff to blow up more? And I, I watched his stuff and it was really good. Um, the kind he's an amazing skater because especially like not even like it doesn't matter where you are. Like he's in Iran, but it doesn't matter if he was in New York, he would still be an amazing skater. And I'm like, your stuff is good, your content is great. Just keep doing your thing, and people are gonna recognize you because I could tell the growth in his videos too and posts from like a few months ago to last week how, how it was growing and i'm like you're on the right path but when you compare yourself to like if you're gonna pair yourself like nick lomax like Montre or something like that like that's you're not really in the, the right space right away you know you got to grow to get there and he was doing that so i think places like that where you wouldn't expect skating to be iran we're talking about ghana and like nigeria and stuff like that it's growing in all these little pockets of the world where you wouldn't have expected it a few years ago and social media is definitely helping with that a lot and all this connecting of people, you know, following hashtags that you, you like and, and, you know, just supporting the right people. It's going a long way, much longer way than we all think. I agree. Um, wanted to bring up a couple of things before we got into a few different experiences, some actionable items, and then we're going to get into questions um, with our live uh, audience in the chat. But once again, I just wanted to say thank you. Shout out to our sponsor, Rollerblade. 
uh, for providing this uh, platform for us to have this conversation. Um, so what do you think about uh, the future of the sport? How do we teach and engage the future of the sport from all different communities? And how do we do a better job? I think we've touched on this briefly, but I'm still trying to stick to the cohesiveness of the, uh, the outline. Um, how do we engage the less fortunate communities? This was like uh, something Jesus put forward. Well, you see there? Uh, I, I wanted I wanted to touch on an uh, experience of being marginalized at the skate park, real fast. One thing okay, I noticed. Let's go, Derek. And like this is this is crazy because you know uh, Harold Hunter is Ron Hunter's brother, and since Harold Hunter has passed, Ron Hunter has been holding up the foundation, and like he, they've been doing like a really big things, like really cool, awesome things, and most often it happens like in the Lower East Side. This was a few years back, though. It was, like, right after, like, uh, their main event that they had. Like, uh, me and someone else was just skating by. And for no reason, like, the skateboarder decided to, like, make a big show and point at us and, like, like call us out for being rollerbladers. And, like, I knew the, the, the Harold Hunter thing just popped off. And I knew that they were coming from there. And I also knew that Ron, my boy, who's a rollerblader, was you know, organizing, making that whole thing. Excuse me, I was about to drop an S-bomb, but made that whole thing happen. This guy doesn't know that, and he's out here, like, hating on me just because I got blades on. That's crazy. He don't know the inner workings of what he even got going on over there. But it sucked to, like, for no reason. It felt like racism. Like, even before, like, we just, like, you guys decided to have this conversation, I started identifying that as, like, some form of racism. It's like, why are you mad at me just because I rollerblade? You know what I mean? And then, like, I, I try not to be like that, like at skates, skate parks. But then I notice sometimes they loosen up to you if they see that you actually, like, know how to use the skate park without getting in their way or something. Or if you follow their wax rules. But one thing about that is, like, like it, it may, like, if, if it's done correctly, like, if it's not done, then it's dangerous for me. If I go fast and I try to grind on something and I get stuck, I'm going to get smoked. You know what I mean? And it's like, these guys don't even care about that. They don't even let you be yourself because they want to tell you that you can't do that. But I think there's a way to wax up a certain area where you're not going to interfere with what they want to do, too, so that you can still have a good time. But then it's like hard to, you know, make, I don't know. I just don't don't like how they just and then they aggressively respond to you for waxing. It's like, wow, are you coming at me? And then it's like uh, like. I used to get aggressive towards that and be ready to like step up. But as I got older, I realized that that's not the best way to go about that, especially if you want to be successful in your life and you want to live. You don't know like if someone's going to bust you upside your head with a skateboard, which we've heard of at parks. And I'm not going to do any name drops. But when I heard of that situation a few years back, that actually hurt me like a lot. I was I was I was bothered by that situation. And it's like just over a minor thing. It's like they're trying to tell you, or not them, but they. It's just like sometimes people don't allow you to be yourself. They like create these barriers, and they don't even care to understand where you're coming from or care about your like, your perspective. You know what I mean? That's how I felt about that. It's like you don't want me to wax because you're scared you're gonna hurt yourself. And if I if I don't get to wax it, then I don't get to have a good time here. I'm gonna end up hurting myself. You know what I mean? So like I just think that just came from like that old school feeling that exists here in America where sometimes skateboarders just be mad at rollerbladers. I don't know how true that still is, but I definitely dealt with years and years of that kind of stuff at skate parks. 
Well, a lot of that mentality of and uh, stems from, um, you know, it was like the elitist uh, surfers, locals only in Southern California, and then that skateboarding culture came off that, where they were very, you know, against people who literally weren't locals in their area, and so it's by nature just a very exclusive. Uh, nature of that is kind of was formerly ingrained into that culture. I, I see them to their credit starting to make some changes. The atmosphere is beginning to change at the skate park these days. But um, yeah, that was, and, and I think that was a bit to speak to Rollerblade's mission statement where I think we've all as, as bladers um, at, at these times experienced those, those moments and um and the, many people in their own experience have experienced that to an even further degree because when you take the skates off it, it continues to be. So um, I actually appreciate you sharing that experience. And I think this would be a good because to for, you know, have uh, Kenan, have you ever had an experience where you felt like excluded, left out, unequal because of whether it be your identity or who you are in, within skating or outside of skating? Any particular? I'm sure you ha obviously have, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up. I grew up in New York in the '90s. Um, I grew up when young black males started to become public enemy number one. Um, I grew up in the era of asking people for the time, knowing they had a watch, but them not showing you the time because they were afraid you're going to steal their watch. But I also understand cultural racism and how um, middle class black families will look down on lower class black families, same as white families will do, Asian families will do. Like it's, there's a lot, uh, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, I think I'm part of a, a dope book club. I'll shout out my book club, The Aware Book Club. Check them out on Facebook, Wheels and Feels or Feels on Wheels, something of that nature. Bloom took one of them and we had the other, I don't know. But it's just a really open group that wants to talk about and unpack these similar experiences that we've all had. And I think one that that we talked about in how to be an anti-racist that speaks to everybody. And, and it's it's one that I've experienced. I'm sure everyone in this room has experienced and in the chat has experienced is that when you when you have been in a situation where you have seen wrong being done to someone else. But you didn't feel empowered enough to step in and say something or do something in that moment or shut it down or or call attention to it or and I think we've all been in that space where you're kind of like, you're excluded in your own bubble. Cause you're like, oh my God, I want to do something. I don't know how, uh, but in my lifetime, yeah, it's, it's part of black experience in America. Um, I think that's why I gravitated to rollerblading in the first place. And most recently, I think this idea that we can't talk about race openly has left me even more excluded within the community of people, friends, that I had. I think 2020 was my year of getting rid of friends, to be quite honest with you. Um, if I can't, if I can't be my authentic full self around you, I don't actually want to be around you anymore. Like I don't have that time. I don't have that um that filter anymore. I used to. I think my head injury kind of depleted that battery a little bit. And to your point, Jesus, the reason why I had that injury was because I was too upset or too scared to wax the obstacle. And so I was waxing my skates. And I stuck and I flipped backwards. So like, you know what I mean? Like I we we I say wax saves lives at this point now. But the truth of the matter is we all we all have shared experiences in that. And I don't I don't I want everyone to be able to show up feeling safe to express themselves, their whole selves, um, who they really truly are. And 
that that hasn't happened for me in a lot of spaces and i've had to leave i've had to like just be like nah i'm not not engaging with y'all no more and these are people that you know in some situations i've known for 15 almost 20 years i'm just like sorry no mas yeah it's 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 rough when that when that comes up where uh you you want to try to talk to people into a point of reason but sometimes they it's at the point where you just got to let it be and hopefully come around on their own at some point but i just want to be able to have conversations like we're having right now i think one of the best conversations i've had this year was with chris edwards where we were just straight up open i, I know chris edwards from two decades ago not chris edwards today so to be able to talk to Chris in an open space and, you know, he's he's a Republican voting person who has has different viewpoints on a lot of topics than I do. And we just we just talked. We The goal was not to find a common answer, but to find commonality in the fact that we are humans who think differently. And that's OK, because we both love rollerblading. And so we can always go back to that. Right. And I think that's yeah. where we really ah, we'll get to next steps. But yes. Exclusion no, 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 honestly, um, watching that thing with Edwards with, with you is really cool. And that was, that was one of the things I was like, oh, we need Kenan on here for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. yeah, because you don't have to agree on everything or see eye to eye on everything as long as there's that base level of respect and, and openness. So completely, completely agree to your point there. Mm-hmm. Um, Melissa, have, have you, uh, do you have any shared experience you could, uh, where you felt excluded, unequal, marginalized, that you could share with us if you want to? Um, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it's probably like non-skating when it comes to race. I was adopted from South Korea when I was a baby. And so my entire family is Caucasian. Um, so the entire time growing up, I'm like always being stared at because I'm like this Asian girl with this big white family, this big Irish white family. And I never even like thought about it twice because I I grew up just knowing that was my family, but it wasn't until I was a little older and people were, you know, when we could speak, (laughs) people were like, why do you look so different? And I'm like, well, I was adopted, but like no kid my age understood what that meant. So trying to be like a little kid, explain what adoption means and why I look different. That was like super, I don't know, it was tiring. And then at one point, I think probably around my junior high or high school years, I just got so sick and tired of explaining adoption and why I look different that I would just tell people my mother like cheated on my father and I came out. <laughs> Whoa. I know. <laughs> wow. That's like how, how much, and it wasn't their fault. It's just ignorance. But yeah, the entire time I was always like just stared at because I was, I looked different from these people I was around. And then being a female, I remember I was like, I played soccer my entire life and my parents put me in a boys soccer league. And I thought for the longest time it was because I, there were no women's soccer teams. And then I think when I was like 18 or 19, they're like, no, we did that so that you could be tough. (laughs) But I remember like playing soccer, being the only female and these 
these boys would like purposely target me like being the female on the team like we got to go like slide tackle her or like we have to beat her we have to be dominant and and it was like I was so young I didn't even understand any of that but it did teach me to be a very strong independent person so thankful for my parents for doing that but just being a woman in constant male dominated sports it makes you feel you know very alone at times and but when you do find that support it's almost like sometimes you have to i think it was brought up like you're doing something to compensate to try to be in with that crew at that point so i would say like for a while i was trying to fit in with the the crew i was skating with but then as we got older it was just like big brother little sister vibe and you know so many of the skaters are like my family and then when i met all the female skaters like some of those ladies are my best friends and they're all over the world none of them like live here in arizona but like i love that i love that part about skating but um yeah just being a female in male dominated sports it can be rough and isolating and i'm so lucky here in arizona now the the skate scene the blade scene the roller skate scene they're so open and it took this long for things to be like that but it is such a positive step and i love supporting everyone out here and and our our skate crews like they're so supportive and inclusive of the roller skate skateboarders like we're lucky Arizona is actually like this really strong scene out here and we're not perfect and people are so open to, to being better humans and, and doing that. So I, I think, you know, it, it's, if you want to come to Arizona, you're definitely going to probably feel welcomed and it doesn't matter who you are. And if you aren't, and I know the skater guys, I will go up to them and I will scold them like a mother. <laughs> and I'll be like, why are you hating? Like, no, that's not cool. <laughs> but I think Arizona, we have a scene like that. Like we're, most of us are all friends and e even those who are different, you know, we're going to accept them. Like we have people of all colors here it would be nice to include more of like our, our black culture here, but a lot of them are like our roller skater dancers. And I love that. Like I can't wait for roller rinks to start opening so I could go to those mm -hmm. disco and jam roller skate nights. But I, I think like, I don't know, like everything that's happened to me in the past, I don't let it bother me in the future or in the present, but it also just makes me like, I never want, you know, especially a woman to, to feel that way, to be marginalized, to, you know, not have someone they can like not talk to, um, especially if they're at a skate park. Like I want them to feel warm and welcomed because that is the community out here as a whole, but it is hard. It's a, a social skill. Not everyone is super strong in reaching out to people, but if, if, people like us are the ones taking that lead, then people will see that and that, that vibe and energy is going to be contagious. And you're just gonna build on that and make your community stronger. I love that. Those are such beautiful words. Wow. Yeah. I, I love what you said. 
yeah, everything about that was, was amazing too. And I love, I could actually relate to the Arizona part of it because I've been there a ton of times and everyone in there yeah. is really supportive. Every time I've been there with people from all over the world and everybody's always been supportive. And it reminds me of kind of what Kenan said in the top of the show. Uh, one of the first things you said out of your mouth, Kenan, was like to support skaters, you know? And that's what the main kind of message is. Like no matter what you do, how you look, where you're from, if you have skates in your feet, that's something that we could all, like a common ground for us to all to relate to. And that's like, that's just enough for you to walk over to somebody and say, Hey, like I'm Austin, I'm Melissa, I'm Kenny and I'm Jesus, you know, and, and be like, yo, let, let's skate together sometime and, and welcome them into the sport and bring a smile to someone's face and help, you know, create a new friend for somebody too. That just, you know, it just stems from there. Yeah. And I will say that, um, cause I've worked in the social service field and not everyone wants that approach, but we have to be patient and accepting of that. Like we can be as friendly as we, we can, but that's like us morally. Like we, if you want to be a very kind, open person, then that's all you can do. It doesn't mean someone else will receive you that way. And, and you shouldn't hate them for that. You just have to understand they're, they're them and they're different and we just have to accept that. And over time they might become comfortable and, in the end, they're going to be like, oh, my God, like this, this group, this community, these friends of mine, that was the most important part of my life. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to be very open about that and not be as judgmental when it comes to someone's attitude, not rubbing the right way at first, you know, just like, OK, well, we tried and, and just skate, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody likes anybody yeah. being pushy, but. Just to open the door to somebody, somebody new, a new face. Just let them know that it's out there. You have people out there to support you who are in the same in the same shoes as you, in the same skates as you. And uh, yeah, just putting the feel out there, I think, is a huge, huge and important step that we we should all take. I gotta say, you know, as as someone who grew up under a single mom with my sister in a house, just two women in the house before my stepfather rolled around. That story hit. We gotta take. We gotta take care of our. Uh, yeah, do the right thing. Um. I mean, I I think we've all shared a bit of experience, but Jesus, Jesus, am I, am I missing on um, an experience you care to share? About um, actually, I did start off with an, like, yeah. one of my experiences. I mean, I uh, I have lots of skate experiences, but when it comes okay. to like DEI, I think that was like one of the most prominent. I I have other ones. Rollerblading is just awesome, man. Like, actually, I want to share this one anyway, if you don't mind. It only take maybe three minutes. So okay. I went through homelessness, like, uh, a little bit after my mother died. My mother died when she was 40 years old, so she died young. I'm 36 now. Um, I was 19 when she died, and I was living in the projects. It was, I didn't know what to do. It was tough, you know what I mean? And, like, um, so we, I, I. I had to move like my sisters in in order for me to keep the apartment. Things got weird. Eventually, I ended up becoming homeless, like after my mother passed, because I wasn't able to stay on the lease because I wasn't able to hold up my own weight at the time. During that time, uh, throughout that time, and even before that time, and now after that time, I've always been a rollerblader. But like when my mother passed, it actually made me put a little bit more in myself into rollerblading, where I felt like I was really just like executing the stuff that I always knew I could do. And then now I just like that energy of just to do it. And like it, it happened. Like I was able to like get better at rollerblading. And what happened from there was I made some like cooler friends that took more of an interest in like me, which 
ultimately ended up saving me from like homelessness and put me in a better place than I've ever been in in my life. Like my friend and his family took me in, like his, his parents are doctors and they like paid for my education until I like completed my associate's degree. And that like put me back in a better place. And I, I'm very thankful from Rollerblade and how I was able to meet that family because they are definitely not from my neighborhood. I grew up in the projects, <laughs> pissy <laughs> elevators, 14 stories. Mm. Actually, I did the math. There's eight apartments on each floor. Eight times 14, that's over 100. There's over 100 families in some of these project buildings that you live in. So it's like Rollerblade helped me get away from that. But then I ended up having to go back to that after because they took me as far as they can take me and then like you know i i guess i kind of like took it for granted a little bit because i was still kind of young and i never had that experience and then like uh i remember telling my friends i'm never gonna go back to the projects guess where i ended up when when they couldn't like continue like with when they when they helped me reach the goal that we set and agreed on i ended up having to go back to the projects and that actually caused like a lot of like uh stress and actually um i went through depression for years and i was acting up doing all sorts of weird things but throughout that time i always had like rollerblading and then like one one day when i started noticing because i even though i was like depressed i started doing weird things that i shouldn't have done i always still tried to be productive in certain ways so i still taught kids how to rollerblade and then like but i was like selling myself short in that where i wasn't like really earning a lot and then eventually, like one day, it just started like building and stacking until I realized, like, I don't need to be doing all this depressed nonsense that's not productive for my life anymore. And then, then that's when I like fully invested in teaching kids how to like inline skate, which opened more doors. And I took myself seriously. Then I ended up meeting my my woman who became my wife. And I'm just very grateful for how rollerblading has been able to like be like a like a bonding agent to like help me like solidify my life so i just wanted to share that first of all thank you all of you th for sharing everything and being open on this i know this is quite uh a request to have you come on and ex talk about such personal experiences but uh i think it's just uh amazing so i want to thank you guys um for that um I, we're gonna get into questions in a bit but first let's talk about some actionable steps we can take what is the trajectory what is the overall goal um let's talk about dei steering community creating pop-up events um kenan would you like to take the lead on this one sure i think it's all um it actually came from jeremy uh at rollerblade this idea of taking a conversation, putting it to action, and then creating investments based on those actions. That is a, that is a standard business practice, to be quite honest. And I think we need to take that as our motivation. This is the time to be active. This is not the time for silence. This is the time to voice your opinion so that we can get the investments that we're looking for. Um, I mentioned DEI steering committees because Rollerblade has a contract with the DEI company to help them as a larger brand really focus their whole their whole organization around this. And I think when you look at certain teams, they have enough within their team to steer the aggressive, let's say, department, right? You look at Rosie's team, a big company, large corporation. Their aggressive team, I believe, has enough diversity 
that if they just asked them the questions, they asked their team the questions of where should we promote? How sh- how would you, would you want to take over our Instagram? How about, you know, give opportunities for those voices to bubble up. You will actually get the, the you'll see the returns. You'll see, um, you'll see how that, those diverse voices create a diverse product, which then in turn, you know, I, th- I think business for a lot of the industry folks, which in turn is just going to increase your revenues. Because I think bottom line, we're talking revenues with 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 large companies. It's like how can I how can I get at your bottom your bottom line and make sure that you see more money, but I also see my influence impacting the community in a positive direction. Very good points right there. Yeah, I like, I like the I like I like the idea of uh, you know the actionable steps mm-hmm. because it's just. We can talk and we can make everyone aware, but then how are we gonna how are we gonna do stuff? So, um, yeah, pop up events. What, what about M- Melissa? Do you have any thoughts on on actionable steps? What what could be done in order to uh, make a change? Um, I'll speak quickly about like uh, change, actionable change with including women in the sport. Like, it'd be really awesome to see, you know, a brand like Rollerblade anything they they sponsor making sure that event gives the same opportunity for men and women and if they i I think all companies should try to include youth a little more um because that's like the fun part is is seeing the young guns out there like shredding and all of us uplifting them and motivating them so i'd like to see like a brand like rollerblade if they're going to sponsor a skate event or contests, like get, making sure everything they give is to, you know, equal opportunity for men, women. Um, and, you know, Rollerblade sponsored several of my events and they're so great with that. So I guess continuing that as well, like that would be great to see them do that. And then maybe like skate companies to try to celebrate the women in their sport by giving them an opportunity for sponsorship, even if it's ambassadorship, like give them an opportunity, let them shine, let them spread the love of rollerblading. And, you know, they're, they're probably going to work in their communities and, and go to the parks and spread the knowledge of it or give them like, Hey, like you want to try my skates on, you know, like just like get more representation from the brands out there. Um, even if it's not through professional athletes, it's through ambassadors. And I know Rollerblade is one of the companies, I think K2, that have ambassadors like that, but maybe more or hold them accountable for doing more and getting involved in communities more to help this mission statement of theirs spread throughout. But yeah, big, big thing. Like us ladies, we wanna see this, this, you know, equity at its best. We want to see equal prize money. We want we want people hosting contests to invite us to let us know it's a safe place. Like powwow has always been one of my favorite events because of Bernal Heights support, Blake support, and when we had powwow last year, you know, Michaela, sh- she's like, I don't know if I should. Uh, and sorry, Michaela, if I get the story wrong. Um, but, you know, like unsure of competing, being transgender. And it's like, no, nah, girl, like, no, you're getting your butt out there. You're going to skate with us. Like, like to me, it's no questions. But, you know, in Michaela's shoes, she's probably 
she has to ponder those things. So if we as a whole, as, as these brands, you know, want to take, you know, steps, I think we need to have these safe spaces, but also invite people say, you know, Hey, we welcome BIPOC communities. We welcome LGBT communities, maybe host a little skate event at prides, you know, I'm, I'm gay. So it's like, it would be so dope to go to a pride and skate a mini ramp and have a rollerblade booth there and like get people just out there celebrating as well. Like get them on some skates, have some fun. Like it would be so cool to, to see brands or rollerblade be more involved with actual modern day community efforts. And I, I think it's possible. I, I mean, they do it on other levels. So I think that would be cool to see any brand do that and to celebrate their skaters who are BIPOC or members of LGBTQ plus and, and that, that alone, you know, I would love to see that. And I, I think there's enough people who want that and maybe we have to hold these brands accountable or, you know, be pessimistic and say, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, can we collab and work on something? But but we'll see what happens. Like I love supporting the female owned brands out here and they're doing such a wonderful job and, and keeping our foot in the door, which is so nice. You know, Megan with the bladies, Angie with roller bender, you know, I love Angie. She's just like, she's killing it. And you know, she truly represents like skaters for who they are. And, you know, all of us, I think we really celebrate just the human aspect of, us being, you know, uh, in a sport that we all love. I love that. And, and, and I agree. I think um, just being more clear with that is and inviting because I think powwow, you know, when I was at the powwow at the one you were, I'm seeing it and, and everyone was, I thought that was such a good event for, for the, for the ladies, the females, the ladies. And um, yeah, I just think that's, you know, everything could always be better, but, but I think that's, that's at least a good, there was a, I thought, I thought that was a great event for, uh, for the women, but of course, like you said, it could always be better. We could always like be more clear in how we're doing things, but I, I like those, those steps and, and, the, and highlighting those things. Yeah. I like that you made some real concrete asks in that Melissa. And I think that's what we need to do as a community is have some real concrete asks and have some examples of other brands that are doing it. You know, you, you can point to Powerslide and Ennui and all their brands and how they're supporting Mary. You can point to Caltech, you can point to, to Law and 5050, and you can ask these other brands, these larger brands to mimic those pieces. And you can almost put, I don't, I, I love going back to this idea that diversity, equity, and inclusion can become a list because it, it's, it's so obvious, right? You're like, you could put together an a la carte menu and be like, these are the things you should do. And we would like you to do these because they celebrate all of us, you know? And like, mm -hmm. it, you put it to these companies and you say like ambassadors are what we want to see. We want to see, you know, competitions that are open. We, we talked about non-binary competitions, like just based on pure scoring. Like I'll pilot that, that sounds heck of fun. Um, let's really put the onus on these judges. I've been a judge, that would be really hard. Um, but it's like, we have to be actionable, but we also have to have like that container that says, look here, do these things, support these, uh, these organizations or 
put your put your money in these these pockets or I want to see you, you know, I think really building community in these spaces. And I think we, if we ask and we're persistent as a community and, and united, this is the real challenge. Can we get united around what these asks are so we can see the change and be that? I, I'll go back to, like you said, Austin, first thing I said is we can be the example. We could be the exemplar, y'all. Like we are, we are all so passionate about our sport that it, it really, it's almost a no brainer. You know, it's like, duh, let's just listen to each other and, and try to be a bit a bit better every day. You know, a little bit better every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we can't be the example. We should be the example. And that's what, you know, this, this episode's all about. I think we're learning a lot. Everyone's learning a lot here right now. And like Billy said before, thank you all for being a part of this because this is huge for everybody. Um, Jesus, I don't know if you um, had a chance to say what steps you think that we should take to put all these ideas into action? Well, I I think I'll take it back to that one, which I'm really committed to is set up some funding that you guys, that companies know that they'll be willing to invest into like people who could help expand and like skating for everyone. I think that because that's what that's what I need help with right now. (laughs) <laughs> if I want to make this all-inclusive event, because like, what if you want to do something for kids, for ladies, and for just what if there's three different divisions? Then you need more than just one day, and you need a solid place to do it. So maybe with some funding, we can make these big, amazing events that are all-inclusive happen. So that's one thing that I wish could happen: is some funds set aside for us to make these things happen. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, thank you again to our partner Rollerblade with this DEI episode, and we ha- and thank you for our audience, everyone in the live chat engaging. Um, we've been live for two hours and fifteen minutes right now, and we would like to invite you to come. I know some maybe some of our guests might have to use the bathroom; they might be getting hungry. But um, if, if you do, please let us know. You feel free to go. Um, but I think we're going to begin to open it up for some interaction with the people in the live chat. So if you guys have any questions that you want to line up um, that you have for any of our guests or ourselves as, as hosts. Um, but Austin, do, do you have um, some super chat to go through? I am loading it up now. I don't know why it's taking forever to go okay. um i mentioned in the bathroom because i have to go so I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be very quick i'm sorry all right go for it billy um like we usually say we anybody who has uh, questions right now shout them out in the chat below uh we'll get to as many as we can for our guests uh we usually shout our super chatters first uh but for some reason youtube is not showing me the super chatters as of this moment <laughs> so uh we have uh, let me see what we got right now for the questions. Uh, also, I saw a lot of good questions earlier in the episode. If anybody uh, has those questions, now would be the time to submit them because we can't really go back that far in the questions. There's been a lot of interactive comments right now. So anybody who did have a question earlier, um, try to copy and paste it or recite that question again. Um, hang on one second. Let me get a question lined up here.
don't know if any of our guests are following the uh, comments sometimes. <laughs> if anything stood out to them in the in the past comments that anybody wanted to address while I try to pull this up while I host the show at the same time. Uh, yeah, but I'm just looking for uh, questions now. Uh, for some reason, the super chats aren't loading. Let me try to scroll back up to get some of these super chats going. Because, okay, right here we have one. Thank you to David Tran for the super chat. Um, putting my money where my mouth is support. DEI and skating in our community will support you back. Thank you so much, David, for that. Dr. Let me put that Dave. in the mail. Dr. Dave. That's my homie right there. Dr. Dave? Dave. Yep, that's We got a area. doctor in the house? That's a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Dave. Oh man, look at look at our viewership is starting to level up. <laughs> look at us, high society. <laughs> Thank you to Shred City Skates also for the super chat, all the way from New Zealand. Uh, we also have Jake Ostrand. Thank you for the super chat, Jake. Uh, Jack, sorry, Jack Ostrand says thanks for your time and ideas. I have to finish this later, but these conversations are worth more than a set of wheels right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for the super chat there. Uh, we have a super chat from David Hudson. Thank you so much, David Hudson. Uh, Mr. Self-Destroy also. Question from Ellie. What is the next step to keep female skaters engaged in our community and what's the long-term goal? How can male skaters be better allies? It's a good question. Um, you know, like I, I do Roller United to try to just give uh, an opportunity for women to come together for a fun contest or session. So I'll actually be hosting another one um, and it's gonna be here in Arizona and it's gonna be different from, each event I do is always different. So, you know, I've already reached out to some some companies and, and skaters to come out for that. But, um, you know, like for female skaters, just keep doing what they do and we just as a whole need to keep supporting them and uh, i think if you are in a position to ask your sponsors like where you can grow within in the company i think that's important to ask them i mean you have every right if you're supposed to be selling their product and marketing for them i think you can ask like hey i, I want to grow i want potentially a, a product like what can we do to work together and not not be afraid to ask those questions because I mean in the end do you really owe them anything I, I think if you're a sponsored writer they should be doing something for you so um, you know long-term goal I don't know I, I don't speak uh, for everyone but I think what women are doing with female brands is a really good step uh collabing with partners um bringing awareness to our industry and then yeah i love like finding out about contests and hitting them up and say hey do you want a sponsor or are you planning on having a women's division or things like that and i think if other women can do that as well like then heck yeah do that like we just had a contest in El Centro and it was the most amazing chill vibe. Shout out to Darren who hosted that. And it was like just so chill. And he was all about equal prize for the women. 
and I tried to get as many women out there as I could, but uh, two competed and there were two or three other women there and we just had a fun time. And, and so I think if we can keep supporting women or if you have, if you know someone who skates, like tell them about a contest or an event and, and get that scene involved and like support them in any way. And if you are timid to approach women, you can feel free to approach me and I'll approach the, the women. Like I'll be the advocate, you know, I love like hitting up people to see if they want to do like a contest or sponsoring them for one. So I think if the brands start backing up women more, um, you know, maybe we can see real change with the, you know, the professional athlete aspect of everything. But, and, and for males, just be more open and accepting to how the world is changing around us because you will, you will meet people who identify with something that you've never heard of before. You're going to have people of color coming through because as this community opens up more and more, we're gonna see more and more diversity and that can be different, which leads to fear and, and being scared. And, and so just, just understand what the world is doing around us and be so supportive and open for that. So, and that, that doesn't, you know, it has nothing to do with women or men. It's, it's just a people thing. Like we just need to be open and kind people. I was going to double down on that. That's absolutely true. Everything you said is so, so true. We need to like disband this male toxicity that tells us that gay is a pejorative that tells us that, you know, we have to act a certain aggressive way and that PTSD is wrong or, you know, all these, all these pieces that I hear sometimes come up in convo and I'm just like, we need to dead that. That needs to go away from our, our general psyche because it, it, the world is changing. And if we're not flexible and we're not adapting, then we're just a bunch of troglodyte cavemen pushing, um, you know, old, old wheels would metal wheels around like like from the 1920s like we got to be better than that <laughs> men all of us cis hetero men we need to be better this is this is from one cis hetero man to another we need to be better <laughs> i want to add one thing um so they say build it and they shall come maybe they won't come the first time don't give up on it keep trying you know what i mean keep offering it and give a heads up don't <laughs> Don't like uh, pitch an event that you want everyone to show up to like a week before because some people may have to travel to get there and they may want to get there. But with short notice, they probably won't be able to get there. <laughs> so that's something I'm trying to learn how to do. Well said, everybody. Uh, Mel, I just want to say how awesome you are <laughs> and everything you've been saying tonight has been so good. And uh, I appreciate that you're offering yourself as an advocate for female bladers. And like you said, if anyone needs anything, hit you up and, you know, you'll you'll do what you can to help. That's awesome. So I just had to say yeah, that on my behalf, by the way. Um, I want to keep it moving with these super chats. We got more coming in. Um, we had a super chat from Ryan Dark Magic. He said, just because. Thank you so much, Ryan. Um, another super chat from Rodrigo Lego who says tricks are important, but attitude is way more nowadays. Be cool. 
Well said, Rodrigo. And we just had a, another super chat coming in from Angie. Let me scroll down to this. Angie Bender. Big shout out, Angie Bender. First off, mad props to all you, uh, to all of you, Blade fam. Melissa, have you found it difficult to, ke- to get respect in the industry in comparison to your male counterparts? If so, why? Um, not necessarily to my face. <laughs> if I hear a lot of disrespect, it's like just word of mouth gossip behind your back type of thing. But I've been, I don't know if it's because sometimes I put this like super bulldog attitude on or something like, um, but I've been involved with the skate industry for a while and, and I've moved and lived in several places. So when I moved down to San Diego, I got like a really cool opportunity with Jeff Akers um, with Sunshine and, and Razors and all that. And he was like super cool with like supporting me, supporting them. Like for instance, I, I got to test out the Jenna Downing liners before her skate release. I thought that was funny because you'd think Jenna would be like the one testing out those prototypes. But because I've had this like industry relationship with, with Jeff, like he's always been a supporter and, and given me opportunities. And so is Tom Heiser, like with my events and, and just living on the East coast skating um, out there on the East and, you know, rollerblades giving me opportunity. So it's almost like even if there was a hardship or something with respect, I wouldn't have cared because I always had a strong support system from the women in skating. And my passion was always about like just getting women hyped to go to contests and and spending my own money to fly people out and sponsor them. And, you know, it, like I've been to contests all over the world and it's so cool because I'm not like a great skater because of all my injuries, but I just love going to them and just putting my body out there so that other women can just see like women in numbers or something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. so yes and no, like I've worked with um, brands that have, you know, disrespected women as a whole and I no longer affiliate with them. So if there was disrespect, Angie, like I would separate myself from that as well. Awesome, awesome. Great Very answer. well said. Thank you, Angie, for the super chat and the question. We have another super chat from David Tran, who says, I keep hearing about, quote, the old days of rolling culture. What are some of these biases of culture that we need to get rid of and what should we keep? So this isn't uh, specified to any particular person on the show. So anybody wants to jump in and answer one of those questions, I see Kenan's nodding his head like he has something to say. You want to jump in there, Kenan? Sure. I mean, I've been in this culture for 30 years. I was about to say, Kenan's from the old days. Can we keep him? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just can't get rid of me. I tried to get rid of myself. You didn't try. It just almost happened. happened. I try every time, but um, I think the old school is that acceptance, right? We were counterculture from the beginning. We are still counterculture. Like it's, we still are not cool, y'all. Like let's stop being so dang cool all the time and pretending like we're not cool. We're a bunch of rollerbladers. Like the most of the world thought we died, and. (laughs) 
exist anymore. Like we stop stop putting on airs. Early on, we didn't have no airs. If you showed up in bones, like knee pads, no one cared. If you had like wrist guards up to your elbows, it was because you just didn't want to die. And like so, like let's stop putting on airs. Let's stop being so cool. That that we can get rid of. Like we are actually cool because we do something really dope. Like that's enough. Um, but I think what what we have put in is once again that retractions. We just went backwards and we came in and we said we're so insular now, and only these things are cool, and only these people are cool, and that we need to get rid of. Um, we need to just accept that we are you know inline skaters if that's what we have to call it, or rollerbladers if that's what we have to call it, and or just skaters or rollers, right? Like we just have to get open again, back to that OG value. That was that was part of the culture that brought me in. And and the insular nature is what will eventually like make me go out and be some satellite rollerblader who just doesn't talk to nobody and makes like angry curmudgeon videos about how I hate everyone. Like don't do that, because I'll do that. I'm from New York. It's easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did uh anyone else want to add to that, Melissa or Jesus? Kenan did great. He's got like 10 years on me. <laughs> I like, Melissa, it's like literally. I mean, he's got to have at least 20 or 30 years on all of us. He's, oh, yeah. how old are you, Kenan? <laughs> I always look up to Julio and Craig Parsons. They're like a year. Julio's a year older than me, and Craig Parsons is two years older than me. And I'm like, all right, as long as y'all are still skating, I'm not the oldest person in the game. So that's fine. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just kidding, man. If I drop a spoon on the on the kitchen floor, it takes me a little bit longer to get it these days. So <laughs> yeah, I, you, I, threw, I can... <laughs> you started throwing 360 stars way too early, bro. You should have waited, man. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 everything was early in New York. It's <laughs> um, but let's get into some of uh, these. First of all, everyone, thank you for your super chats. We got to figure out something cool to do with that, uh, and. Let's get into some of these other questions here. Um, Jesse Provler, I hope I'm saying your name right, says, Hey, Seuss, I know you've worked with the Skate IA programs for schools in the New York boroughs. How have these programs been since COVID? Any plans of your own to expand off of those programs? All right. So when it comes to this, Actually, schools were closed for a long time or going through a trying to get it together, meaning like how many kids is safe to be in a class. Um, Like so that is just starting to like people are just starting to get comfortable with being in like classrooms and stuff. And just yesterday I got a text stating that uh, a program is starting up next week and they want me to go back for like uh, five days a week, which I'm excited to hear about and it's going to be fewer kids because before we were hosting about uh well i was we were instructing about 100 kids like every day like at like 30 kids an hour and like uh, some of these kids are like in second grade and you got to like get hands on to help make sure this case is just secure enough so there's been some adjustments made we're only going to be allowed to work with i think about 15 kids at a time instead of uh 30 and it's going to be in an outdoor space that's why they waited until springtime we're going to follow all the rules we're going to wear a mask safety gear of course of course and i'm excited that uh this opportunity is coming back around because i was feeling as if i was like like 
you know how they say if you don't use it you lose it right and like that's saying that i would lose it i got over 10 years of experience but i i like to do it i like to teach kids like how to play so i'm excited that we are going to get back in the building and we're going to be as cautious as or next to the building be as cautious as possible and they are starting to kick off again but um there was someone doing some stuff online and i wish i had a chance to observe that because i'm very curious how do you facilitate like an awesome skate program online and I was trying to come up with some ideas for it, but I've been so busy in my own life where I wasn't able to invest as much time that was required in order to make a successful program. So it is opening up again, slowly but surely. All right. Thank you very much for your question, Jesse. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to try to say his last name again, but I was like, let me not try, Jesse. Um, we have another question from 111, 111. Uh, six ones elitism has been a big problem in our sport how do you think we can put an end to it i guess anyone on the panel who wants to take it feel free well well what does that mean does that mean like trying to be like the best that you see it and like keeping that as the standard like what do they mean by that what do you think well when i think of elitism i you know i think you know maybe how skateboarding has treated blading for a while in other cultures, like better than, you know, I think that there might. Oh, I, I get it. So it's I don't like, know. Like, uh, do, do, do you see that happening that internally? All right. So yeah, like elitism. I mean, yeah. Sometimes people don't seem so welcoming or like if, if someone, well, all right, let me say where I'm coming from. Cause I actually like was very difficult to get along with for a long time. And I used to have to wait and see that someone was serious about their skating before I took an interest in, like, nurturing it. I wanted to be sure that they were serious first. So, sorry, I kind of missed the point. You know, it is after my bedtime, not for nothing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to keep you guys. I'm not going to keep you guys much longer. Um, but, yeah, do, do, do you guys see elitism as an issue in uh, – yeah? Oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Let me – Um. so it's like uh, – I think that's unfair to like not be welcoming just because you like like I don't want to be like that anymore. If I see someone with skates, I'm gonna to try to nurture it any way I can without even having to wait to see that they could do a soul grind. Because you know what? Maybe they can't do that just yet, and they could use a little bit of encouragement so that they could stay involved with it. So my perspective has changed only because I'm getting older and I like my care for this for what we do is like really serious and I wanna be like, I just realized, like, as I grew into it, like, I am part of the community that can help nurture it and continue its growth. Like, I didn't even realize but that this is where I am right now. You know what I mean? I think um, I think back to things like what we said before, having the underage 16 and under contest, the up and comings, um, bring back amateur and flow teams and promote those. Um, you'll start to you'll start to disband this idea that like we are a team of five people and they're the best five you've ever seen in your life. But more like we are a large community of skaters that includes all bands and levels and, and ages. Um, I think also like let's let's start including all bo all body shapes, please. Can can we get some 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 skaters that aren't just twenty eight inch waist out there promoting? Can we get some seven footers? You know what I mean? Like, I think what so you do out of this idea, like everybody's got to be a certain and look a certain and do these tricks. We once again we went backwards. We went backwards again. Like we went back to this idea that if you can't five forty kind grind, you're not good enough to be mm. like, to get a wheel for free. Like what? Mm. What if you're like amazing and you're part of your community? Like you deserve yeah. to 
give a lot. Like, or, you know, who remembers when Parker won the 16 and under? Parker from LBC, when, or from uh, Too Easy, when he won the 16 and under at Blake Up. Like, imagine if we didn't have that division, what might have happened to him or not happened to him? He's one of, like, the, the newest influencers. So, like, let's – he got a wheel. Mm. Let's keep doing things like point. that. Yeah, and, 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 and that's that's also a good point. There's more ways to be a contributor in some ways, sometimes even a greater contributor um, off the blades within the community so that you could be an ambassador, you could be an influencer, all these other um, things. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that approach. Moving on because I know it's past Jesus's bedtime. I'm gonna try to get you. Um, try to get you to bed. Got to take a few more questions. Um, uh, Erica Ruiz, shout out Erica. Hi everyone, thanks for making this podcast. What is needed for pro bladers, both male and female, to make a real decent living out of their passion? I think this steps out of the DEI topic and to a more complex, like a New York Times crossword puzzle type of answer. Mm-hmm. But um, go ahead. What do, what do you guys think? Uh, I think Lawrence, let's look at Lawrence. Let's look at other companies that do uh, profit sharing. I think you have Fruit Tech Hardware is coming out with a new model for how pros get paid or how um, you distribute funds. Look at Them Goods, look at the Danny Beer. Uh, and companies that have progressive algorithms, please share them. Stop being, be a little more transparent with your progressive algorithm so other companies can follow suit. Um, you know, yeah, I think we're a little too secretive when we have a good thing. Okay, good points. That's a good point. Did anyone else want to add to that? No. All right. All right. Moving on. We have we have a couple of super hey. chats that came in too. Oh, do we? Okay. Yeah. Let me get to these super chats real quick. Uh, quick shout out to Dandelion for the super chat. Thank you so much. We also have mm-hmm. another super chat from Andrew Turner who asks, "How does the skate community slash industry approach people with disabilities now?" How does the community slash industry also approach things like CTE, mental health, suicides that have affected the sport over the years? Kenan looks like he, he has something to say. <laughs> Just basing that off of what you're doing. Shout out to Dandelion in real life. Check it out. That's the homie. Real positive vibe. Arizona. See, there we go, right? <laughs> real positive vibes all the way. And then... We don't do enough yet again. I make episodes that talk about depression and they get the least views. So I stopped making them. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like if, if you run right. a YouTube channel and you're like trying to get views and your videos that are about TBI and mental health get the least views, you end up making less of them. So like, let's actually start having these conversations. I am more than happy to host and ask me anything. I deal with depression and mania after my TBI, like pff, hourly. So, you know, like, I am more than happy. We don't, I don't think we have enough spaces where people can talk about mental health issues in the world, in the black community, especially. And like within rollerblading, we really, we really don't, we, we, we shy away too quickly, way too quickly shy away from the, what, what a lot of we call invisible in, injuries, you know, like you don't see it. You don't know why that person's freaking out, but be patient with people and find out. We don't, we don't talk about it enough. I just think that's real talk. Like I, I like to see like um, brands or even the smaller brands uh, uh, partner with local nonprofits and advocacy programs for mental health and behavioral health. Like um, working in nonprofit sectors, 
you you do have all of those resources and just simply putting it out there on one Instagram post can just help. And just like bringing that awareness and I think that is sort of up to the skaters in their individual states and the companies that come out of those states to to put it out there if they care, you know, and 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 some people like we have skaters in the health profession and psychology and all of that. So I know some of those people do offer, you know, a safe place for someone to talk to and then they just have those deep conversations. I'm not sure if those people want to be known that they can help talk with someone who has anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts, but there are skaters out there who have reached out in those ways. So I think brands could do something, partner with their local people and just put it out there for, for viewers to see. And just as individuals, you know, you know, keep your eyes open, you know, you see someone keeping to themselves, you see them at the skate park, you see someone talking a certain way, ask them if they're doing okay, because that goes a long way, especially people going through those kind of issues. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, sometimes you don't know what they're going through. And then like, they don't tell you what they're going through. And then one day, like, you already know. Yeah, yeah we got yeah, too maybe... many friends who run... Oh. Yeah, we got too many friends who either committed suicide or did bad things to themselves to put themselves in terrible places, and like they never like you wouldn't have known. I didn't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into detail too much about yeah. certain things, but, but yeah, there's certain things check, that I check had on no idea, and then it just slaps you one day. So you just show love, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep your eye open. Yeah, I think jumping on the bandwagon for national mental health awareness, which I see Doug Williams posted, like that can be super important too, because I know a lot of the roller skate brands um, always, always hashtag that on Instagram for mental health awareness. And just something simple like that could be a good step for like if we all got on that as well as rollerblading as a whole. Very, we're having some real honest talks, heartfelt talks. This is some real stuff. Yeah, I like Thank this. you, everyone, bearing, bearing with us. Um, the Wax Toaster. Shout out to the Wax Toaster. Um, shout out to the Wax Toaster. Um, question for Melissa. Do you think there are skilled female skaters that are underappreciated compared to male counterparts? Oh, Yeah. Not necessarily in a derogatory way, but I think women are underrepresented. So, like, let's say, you know, a professional skater who rides for a brand gets one post on Instagram from the brand and maybe the five other male athletes get, you know, 100 posts before and after her. So there's things like that. There's so many amazing female skaters out there. Um, and I think people like Megan and Angie and, you know, the other female ran social media accounts try, we try to do our best to expose and, and share this footage or pictures of these incredible female athletes. And that alone, I think, 
that can help uplift the spirits of the women. Um, and sometimes, like for me, that would be enough. I wouldn't need uh, the male-dominated side of the industry to show me that love when I have, you know, someone else helping do that for me. So I think there is a lot to that statement, but us women, you know, we're, we're resilient. We're trying. We would just love to continue to have more and more support, of course. So, you know, I, I think we just got to keep it up because we love our Blake fam. So if you were at Pow Wow 10, you can name five female athletes that are better than you. So <laughs> at least, <laughs> at <laughs> least for sure, at least five, at least that better on the down box that like gap to box. I'm oh, good. Uh, yeah. I, I discovered like that was cool about that event. I, I discovered a, a few people who I didn't know at that event specifically from the ladies event. So that mm-hmm. was, that was really cool. I think that's important because how, how else you going to find out? So that's, that's cool. Yeah. I've met we them all from the- traveling, so it's so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because everyone's from all over the world. That was literally an international mm-hmm. female skate event. It was awesome yeah. to see. It's like a community within the community. Super dope. It was crazy. I was like so nervous because we were all leaving, like pandemic leaving, right? We were all like, <laughs> our, our, is Mary going to get home? Like, you know, there were yeah. all those questions, like, as power. Yeah. Thank God. And then Joe just didn't leave, right? Joe stayed. And then Joe just never left. (laughs) He just embraced it. (laughs) Um, Got a question from Triple O, OG Excalibur. Doug Williams says, uh, how does the panel think we can better communicate our ideas to brands to help bring inclusion to the sport? Shout out, Doug Williams. Shout out, Doug. Um, I think we're lucky to have Rollerblade right now as a partner in this conversation. Um, I, I have heard them express their openness to, to hearing what bubbles up from this conversation. Uh, and I'm excited to report back to them what has come up so that we can see how far we can take a real partnership with a brand that I feel like is at the forefront. We all can do more and they are at the forefront. So I, um, yeah, I look, I look forward to bringing this conversation back to someone in the industry who seems, you know, very much like they want to become the standard, the gold standard for our for our diversity and inclusion uh, requests. And so, yo, you know, you got my number. Holler at me. Let's let's get a list together. I said we gotta get that actionable items list together mm. so that we can bring it forth to these companies and say, hey, these are this is a a sprinkling an a la carte menu of things you can do. You know, like you know that mental health awareness month is in March, so start programming in January. You know that like. Black History Month's in February, so start doing your programming in October. Like we get, I can schedule that out for for companies if that's what they really need. But um, yeah, I think those are the actionable items, and I think we're we're fortunate enough to have Rollerblade right now. I, I wish and I hope that after this conversation, we get to reach a lot of those other bigger brands like FRs and Power Slides and you know um, K two. Yeah, I would love to see a brand like open it up one day and have like fan appreciation on Instagram where they would go live with a leader in the industry and open up a live chat for people to ask them questions. And and I think that would be really cool. And just like that way everyone can feel like they have an opportunity to be heard. And if not, at least someone might see their question or their comment or opinion on a live chat type of thing. So that would be really cool to see from brands. 
That's easy yeah, way I'll... for inclusion right there too. Sorry, Jesus, go ahead. I just wanted to add one thing. So um, I just noticed that like uh, sometimes like uh, like these cool skate companies where you would love to observe their pros, they come in like fly under the radar, go in your city, do their thing, get their clips, and get out before you even knew they were there. I can't believe that they don't see it as an opportunity to engage the community sometimes and actually let the fans see their stars. You know what I mean? Like, be present. If they're present, then they could have those interactions. You know what I mean? So that's just one thought I had on that. Mm -hmm. That's true. Well, we got, we got a... We got another, we got one more question. It's uh, from someone who's very active in the chat, but you know, everyone should be, have their questions heard. So Jacob uh, Zerowski says, I'm, I hope I'm saying your name right. I'm sorry if I'm not. Does the panel make a distinction between DEI in the skate culture and in skate corporations? I feel like the culture I've experienced is very inclusive. <laughs> I've been getting texts about this gentleman's comments throughout the entire evening. Um, mm -hmm. actually, uh, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, no, I, I don't feel like we have the open conversations that are necessary to make the big moves in DEI within our community. I think we are starting that right now, and we have been this year. And I think the more we have these conversations, the more everyone will share your sentiment and feel as welcomed and as uh, included in the community as you do. All right. Well, we we do have one more question I think we'll take and maybe we'll make this our last question. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. No? Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, my, my computer's bugging out a little bit. Um, we have one more question here. Uh, I think we'll take this before we wrap it up. Thank you guys again for your time. I know it's they were coming on, but thank you. I know. Thank you. Um, Rebel Skate One says, equity. Why don't pro skaters get paid a living wage? Why are pros working jobs doing deliveries and putting their necks on the line skating? And the industry people at the brands make fat paychecks. This might be a little bit out of the DEI wheelhouse, but I figure we should ask each question put forth. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they offer skaters representation without contracts or without payment or without like I. I don't know. I, I don't know. I remember That's when a great I did monks. Question for the brands. Yeah, yeah. like when, when I did monks, the one thing we really wanted to do was open up a shop so that we could offer every skater in health insurance as an employee of the shop. That was like something that Dwayne and I were like dreaming of. That there you go. There's a pie in the sky opportunity for you. What about like a skaters union? Where you just hold your hold your ground and say, I'm not signing up with nobody unless and then if you have enough <laughs> people doing that that nobody signs up, then they're gonna have to budge. <laughs> I know it's not that big, but you know, that's an idea. No, no, no I, I mean I mean I mean I mean that's 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 a good I mean that's how you things change unions you know and getting together and it's been discussed before. but um <laughs> yeah i would love to see these things happen in the future yeah but um guys we're coming um everyone all thank you we were coming up on three hours of what i came into um wondering what it would be and and leaving feeling really uh good and positive about this conversation and i just want to thank 
each of our guests. I want to thank Kenan, uh, Melissa, and Jesus for um, taking the time to sit here with us for three hours, opening up yourselves, allowing yourselves to be vulnerable and talk about these challenging topics that are not always met with open arms when we try to have these conversations in our industry. So I want to just say thank you guys again uh, for that. And then that being said, I, I want to give you guys the opportunity. I want to give you all the opportunity to, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm reading some of these chats. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to say uh, a final, final parting goodbye mm-hmm. or yeah, final thoughts. Yes. So I guess we could start it with um, perhaps we started with Kenan and with uh, Melissa and then Jesus. Maybe we'll start it with Jesus this time and then we'll, we'll reverse it. So Jesus, do you have any uh, parting thoughts? All right. Well, um, thank you for letting me take part in this conversation. I was a bit nervous. I wasn't sure if I would have enough input that I thought was valuable, but I think in like organically, like it, it came to be and I feel good about what we discussed. And a couple of things that we're working on, my boy, E-Money, we're going to have a, an event for him in New York City on July 3rd. Um, a year ago, he passed, almost a year ago, he passed away, RIP, one of NYC's great friends, and you probably met him in other places too. And also the Bashi Pope comp coming up, I'm going to help them with that. They need some someone to help write up a script. Now, I'm, I'm just going to help them out. We're going to help get this thing, all these things rolling. So that we got the e-money event, we got the Bashi comp, and we're just trying to keep events happening so that we could continue to have good things to look forward to, to take part in. So that's my last piece. Thank you all so much. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Jesus. Uh, Melissa, any final thoughts from you or final words? Yeah. Thank, thanks again to to you, Billy and Austin, and uh, giving us this opportunity. I think it's such an important conversation, and I love that everyone involved on the chat is so positive and supportive, actually. So that was really cool to see. Shout out to everyone I've met in my travels and skating. Like I'm so passionate about skating because of the people I've met, especially the women I've met. I mean, you guys have been some of my best friends for over 15, 20 years now, so... And shout out to Arizona, always holding it down. Uh, Wax the Planet, Zony Girls, which is a new brand out there. So amazing. To, to Recreational Fear, who's tried to work with youth and everything like that. To Rollerballing, uh, Magnetic. You guys are awesome. You're my Blade fam. And oh, the ladies, shout out. Props to you guys. You should all be proud of yourselves for holding it down. And let's continue this effort and this support. Awesome. Amazing. Well, well said, <laughs> Mel. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Kenny, Thank you. you are up. Any final thoughts? I finally have a dog acting up. I've been absolved of this dog thing until right now. So I feel like I'm the only person good. who hasn't had a dog bark in this, this episode. <laughs> Unfortunately. Right the puppy, but, um, yeah, once again, just... Thank you to you too. Thank you to Jump Street for having the courage to have a conversation that's awkward at best, but necessary at most. And um, shout outs to Ray for putting us on to this idea and getting me in the door with you guys, as well as Billy for you suggesting the long-term homie. Um, We all can do better. We know we can do better. And if we unify, we'll see results. We'll see the actions that are necessary to be the community that we all joined up for. 
I signed up for an inclusive, amazing place where I could be my creative, weird self on rollerblades. I think that's still really true. So I'm, I'm here for the long haul. I'm down for the conversations. Um, you know, check your boy out. Holler at me if you want to talk mental health. I already got some people on IG hitting me up because I live it and I'm more than happy to spread what I do and maybe it helps someone else. So props to you both. I'm glad this is a, a positive, wonderful experience and episode. Props to you too, um, Kenan. You taught me all my MC, my <laughs> MC skills. <laughs> Yeah, this is when you really, when you really gotta take it. You gotta take it there. Since you said that, you gotta have one of these ready to go at all times. <laughs> yeah, you're the Damn, man. You got the gold <laughs> mic. That's awesome. But guys, thank you so much again um, yeah. for taking the time, taking the time out of your day. I would love to t talk to you guys again in the future. Um, so yeah, let's, let's do it again. Uh, yeah. Um, thanks so much for joining us. And thank you to Rollerblade too for sponsoring this episode. Oh, we got the cat. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kenan. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, everybody in the chat for joining us in this. This is an awesome episode. Thank you. Special thanks to Rollerblade for sponsoring this episode and allowing uh, us to do this in the first place. So everyone check out Rollerblade. And is that it? We're good to go, Billy. Anything else we miss? Uh, see you for an episode on Wednesday. Boom. It sounds good. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you all so much. Bye. Peace. <laughs>